tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie and welcome to Tip Today this Tuesday morning, our first one of 2024. Delighted to be with you today. Hope you all had a good Christmas and you got over it all right. The weather wasn't amazing, of course, but sure, look, we did what we could. Uh, If you're like me, you're looking at the Christmas decorations, wondering when they're going to come down someday this week. We'll see what the mood is like. Uh, I hate that part of year where you're just waiting for the decorations to go down, but at the same time, you'll kind of miss them. But you know what we have missed? We've missed you. We've missed your company over the last few days. Uh, give us a call. The phone lines are open 1800-938-007. Emma's standing by. Or you can text or WhatsApp 83 Coming up on this morning's show, the news you heard from Pat there at nine. Tipperary had the highest number of road fatalities in the country in 2023. We'll be finding out why and what needs to be done to combat that rise in numbers. Also, an increase in tolls has come into effect on 10 routes around the country, making transport and driving more expensive for many. Old Moore's predictions for 2024. We find out what's in store for us this year. Uh, and just a spoiler alert, it's not all great, I'm afraid, but tune in for that later on. Our GB Pat Harold will talk to us about endoscopies. Thomas Conway will also be joining us for a look at global politics and what we can expect on the global front for 2024. Karen Prenegast will also be here to talk about home interiors. And we'll also be talking, of course, the day that's in it. We have to talk about it. New Year's resolutions with Susan O'Donoghue. She'll be in with us. And uh, technology trends as well. What to watch out for in 2024. So all that to come between now and 12 o'clock today. So New Year's resolutions will be a kind of a, a general thread throughout this morning's show. So we'd love to hear your views on it. Do you have or do you set New Year's resolutions for yourself or do you think they're a bad idea? We'd love to get your views on it. Those numbers again, 1800-938-007 or 083-311-3311. Now, as I was saying in the intro, road debts in Tipperary rose from 7 in 2022 to 16 in 2023. Nationwide, there were 184 road debts, the highest in 10 years. 78% of those fatalities were male, 22% were female. The Road Safety Authority expressing concern over the increase in road deaths, particularly among males. And the rise as well, they say, in pedestrian fatalities, especially at night or on weekends. To begin the conversation on this now, delighted to be joined on the line by Donal this morning. Hi, Donal. Ah, good morning, Alison, and good morning to your listeners, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Donal. Did you have a good Christmas, first of all? It was a beautiful Christmas, thank God. Good. Did Santa come? Oh, Santa always comes. (laughs) Good man. (laughs) Tell me, Donal, about this this rise in road deaths. I know it came as no real surprise because we know in Tipperary, of course, we had such a tragic year in 2023 when it comes to road deaths. What do you put this increase down to? Oh, gosh, Alison, I think there's so many different factors. Um, I think dream driving is still very prevalent. Uh, the new rise of drug driving is also there. Mm. Um, r- road discipline and lane discipline um, is also an issue. And, I mean, 
I was out driving at night time in, in the last few days and I've come across a number of people with no lights on. Re- and no lights at all? None. Not, wow. Not a glimmer. And they're effectively invisible. And whether they forget or aren't able to find the light switch, I don't know, but they're an obvious hazard to everybody, themselves included. What I find, Donal, as well, is there's a lot of um, people who are inconsiderate on the road. I find a lot of people are very slow to turn down their their high beams. Yes. And what's also, uh, I've discovered, is a a pretty significant issue is those bi-xenon bulbs, uh, which are absolutely glaring, even on on dip beams. And whether you have eye issues or whether you don't, I mean, I've come. People give me the same comment. They're absolutely blinding. They are, and sometimes and, you and don't know if they have the high beams on, so you flash them, and then they'll flash you the high beams to say they're off. But it's hard and, to and, tell. And, and it makes it even worse. It does because then you're both what's, sour. Yeah, what's even also um, very intimidating, if you like, is the so-called daytime running lights, which are also LED, yeah. which are also on at nighttime in combination with the dip beam. So it doesn't look as if the dip beam is actually on in the first place. Yeah. You know, but uh, then you have the issue of pedestrians and cyclists at daytime and nighttime. But particularly at night, um, people aren't, aren't invisible. No. I've come across people out jogging in completely in black and they're actually... Only for the grace of God, I could have landed a few in the ditch. We just see him at the last yeah. minute. Uh, even people crossing the road, a main road, like they'll just dash across the road, even when the pedestrian crossing is against them in the middle of town. Yeah, Donald, can I can I um, throw a little grenade in there now as well because uh, I'm going to stoke a bit of rural-urban divide. But I find that pedestrians in rural areas are better behaved than ones in urban areas. And I think with urban areas, people don't tend to wear high-vis jackets. And I think it's because they feel like they're seen by streetlights, so they don't really need them. Am I wrong in that, do you think, though? Are you there, Donal? Oh, Donal is gone, is he? Uh, Emma, you might have a look. We've lost Donal, I'm afraid. But Frank is on the line as well. So we'll go to Frank and we'll come back to Donal when he's back on the line. Hiya, Frank. Is Frank there? Oh dear, we're having problems with the phone lines this morning. Uh, those texts and uh, phone lines, they are open though, so do give us a try. It's just uh, Gremlins, I suppose, for the new year. It's 83 311 or 1800-938-007. As you can expect, I suppose, a lot of the, the papers covering this story today about the rise in road fatalities um, and a lot of discussion about whether people need to undergo regular testing when it comes to driving. So that essentially maybe every four or five years uh, drivers would have to sit a test again. Now we also heard over Christmas as well uh, from the Transport Minister that he is looking at uh, bringing in Uh, new, I think, regulations and rules for people on the provisional licence. We know there are a lot of people in this country uh, who are driving on provisional licences and have been for many, many years and the rules on that now are set to get stricter. We have Frank on the line. Hiya, Frank. Good morning. Happy New Year to all. Happy New Year to you, Frank. We're talking about uh, this rise in in road fatalities that we experienced, not just in Tipperary, but across the country last year, and what can be done to combat it. Frank, uh, Donald was talking to us about what he sees as 
uh, I suppose, motorists being inconsiderate. Uh, he named out a number of things, LED lights among them. What do you think is the main issue when it comes to road safety? Well, I think everyone has to put up their hand and look after each other on the roads. And there's no point in blaming one type of person, whether it's a cyclist or whatever. But can I start with the cyclist? Yeah. I mean, I cyclist myself, right? And I think most cyclists obey the rules of the road. But when you're on bad country roads, there's no need for two cyclists to be side by side, giving the motorists no chance to pass out. So I think that's totally inconsiderate mm. and, and there be. And for the pedestrians, I'll just take Nina as an example. When you drive any day through Nina, pedestrians will walk out, through, out beside you. The pedestrian crossings are a few metres away. And the other thing is, educate people how to use these crossings. It's simple. Stop, wait, and then go when the traffic stops. And that's a real nightmare, I think, in every town. Yeah, I think and you might be the, right. For, I think pedestrians maybe have the perception sometimes that they have the right of way, so cars have to stop for them. Do you think that that's, yes. yeah? And all pedestrians, find pedestrians if they don't have a high-vis jacket on at night time. Find them straight away because the motor has no hope if there's an oncoming car coming and they're in black to have no hope. Yeah. So that's one thing. The other thing I think would help ourselves big time is for people not to be parking on the opposite side or driving it. Yeah, that's a good one. They cause mayhem with traffic building up and everything. And it's the law in most countries you can only park on the side you're driving at. Yeah. I think that would be picked out. The second thing I think which really annoys me is some farmers who won't cut their ditches. I mean, they're sticking out there. I drive a truck occasionally. You have to keep out a metre from the edge of the ditch or your mirrors grow. I think they should be single farm payment taken off them until they cut their hedges properly. It's a nightmare on some roads. And it's a beautiful road. Maybe you know it from, from Port Road up to Killaloo and it's a nightmare to drive with, yeah. with branches out. Uh, that's one t- and the other thing that really annoys me is why do people keep changing? One day it's drink driving, the next day it's drugs, the next day it's it's sleeping. Everyone that has to be educated and the only way to educate people is the young people. They have to be educated. And I I'd love to see more T V ads, uh, more ads on the radio talking with young people talking to each other, saying, listen, slow down there, Jack. I need to see my parents tonight. Things like that. It would change people's attitude towards this mad driving. And it's happened everywhere. And yeah. one other thing, I suppose, that uh, caught my attention. I've driven, I suppose, over most of Europe. And the signals in Bird Hill really annoy me because it says, you know, uh, speed cameras ahead, maximum limit 120. But actually, what they're telling you is you can do 120 if there's a foot of snow. In Germany, on the autobahn, you can drive as fast as you like on most of the autobahn. But when the weather changes, lights will flash and the speed limit can come down as low as 60 kilometres. I think that would be a much safer attitude rather than catching 50 or 80 people a day for over, over Sweden. So they'd be my the youth, I think, is the big one. You have to educate the youth because... A lot of the crashes that are happening, you know, people are just getting a bit carried away and they need to be educated. So 
that would be my contribution to road safety anyway. So. I appreciate that, Frank, and thanks for, for talking to us about it today. But can I just pull you up on one thing? Because I'm always, I always hate when young drivers are criticised because it's always young males who are criticised. Yeah. I find it very unfair because I have to say in my own experience driving, the worst drivers I come across are the, the older drivers. The free well, license brigade, some of them who are driving at maybe 50 kilometres an hour on a 100 or a 120, that is equally as dangerous as speeding. It's, it's more dangerous. And you know, on our roads here, like, and we're in an agricultural area, but there's a tractor on the road, let's say, in a trailer, right? And the next thing, someone comes up behind that tractor and sticks to their number plate. Yeah. And then you have a backlog. And another thing, I suppose, which should be educated too, our motorways are so safe. But one simple lesson, keep off the outside lane. Yes. It's, it's a simple rule. And any time, you know, you go, any time in the motorway, you'll see someone hugging me there. And these are all small things. It's not rocket science. Yeah. I think if everyone just... We need more ads on the television. We need more radio ads just to get these points across to people. And then I think we'll have a much safer road system. We do. And Frank, can I put it to you? I know Donal is still waiting on the line. We'll bring him back in there in a second. But can I ask about what do you think the the number of the Gardaí? I mean, we've seen this story in the last couple of days that the number of Gardaí in the roads policing now at its lowest in six years. Do you think that also has an impact? Well, you know... I think the guards are doing a great job, right? They're they're using every resource they have. But there's no point in someone saying, oh, if the guards have been on the back roads, this crash wouldn't have happened. The guards can't be everywhere. And that's a simple thing. And, you know, another thing, I suppose, in our local village here, we have the speed van. Mm. But I have never seen that speed van an hour before the kids go to school, when they're leaving school, the time that it should be there. You know, small mm. things. It's not rocket science. And I think it's the same but the guards to do what they can and it's it can't be on every by road at three o'clock in the morning. That's just impossible. Yeah. And you have to, you have to be realistic. Yeah, and we have and to have some personal responsibility, I suppose, as well. Everything is responsible for their own and you know, there's probably ten percent of people on the road that shouldn't be on it because they just can't drive. But you have to accept that. So you have to keep an eye out for them as well, you know, as well as finding yourself. Yeah. So, absolutely. <laughs> Frank, good to talk to you this morning. Thanks for joining us. Okay. All I the know. best. A uh, listener just texted, and we're getting a lot of texts on this this morning. A listener says, I drive a lot. I find that young ladies are the worst. Texting while driving and rubbernecking. There you go. Uh, another listener says, compared to years ago, there are thousands more cars on the roads and the roads haven't kept up with the increases. I've never seen so many women using their phones while driving. The more cars on the roads, sadly, the more accidents there will be. That's from Alan. Uh, Donal is back with us. How are you, Donal? Ah, good morning. We have you back, Nathan. thank God. Don't I we... think the gremlins are at us I think so. Listen, they're, they're, we're, we're back with a bang on this new year. Um, can I ask you, we were talking to Frank about uh, roads policing in particular and the levels of road policing, uh, Gardaí, that are at its lowest now in six years. Do you think that that has an impact or do you agree with Frank that it's a lot of little things we're doing that we need to improve on? Well, as I said to you earlier on, there's many factors involved in this particular problem. Uh, I think he's right in that regard. There's a lot of things there that accumulate uh, together uh, to make things very difficult. Yeah. And you can see you can see the results in the accident figures. Like you were going to lob in a hand grenade there to me earlier on, they probably got cut off. <laughs> That's right, about <laughs> the urban-rural divide, because I maintain, and of course I'm I'm rural, so of course I'm going to defend my own, but I just find well, uh, the rural I, people are better behaved pedestrians because they wear high-vis. 
Well, I have my heart hat on now. I'm in the foxhole in case there's more things <laughs> come Go my on, way. throw it. <laughs> but you, you may have a point. I'm rural as well. Um, you're probably correct in the, about the, the high-vis vest, people out jogging, walking, whatever it is. There seem to be less of those um, uh, difficulties in, in rural Ireland. Yeah. People are more, seem to be more aware of even putting on a, a Sam Brown belt or a high, an armband, something mm. that, that'll be seen. Um, but in, in urban areas, uh, say in town of Nina, that I know particularly well, uh, there's people ambling around there, even on the peripheral roads into the town, that are okay, they're illuminated in a lot of cases, but you may or may not necessarily be visible to motorists, uh, depending on what sort of clothing you're wearing. Yeah. If you if you dash across the road while you're jogging, and people do this, like, you know, they won't break their stride, as it were. They, they'll just make, make this mad dash across the road, irrespective of what traffic is coming. Yeah. You know, um, as for rural, I live in a village, and we have recently got a, a speed radar, which is an interior great device. But I would say, on my own estimation, 50% of people aren't, aren't abiding by it. No. And I think it's a competition for a lot of people, too, to see how fast they can go past it, I think, sometimes. Well, th- this is a problem, because I know when I'm coming into the village, I slow down. I always do, in respect whether the, re- the radar was there or not. But there's a pile of cars behind me, mm. and they're sort of trying to intimidate you out of the way. But I'm not in the mood to be intimidated. I just stick to the speed limit, and that will be it. Command on. Uh, but what I do notice then, uh, I think Frank there made the point about he had a, a speed, a radar van uh, parked on, not visible at times when there might be intense traffic, say school times. Yeah. Uh, school times are a bit of a nightmare because. It's a bit like Le Mans. It is. Everyone is rushing in the four-wheel drives to the school. And the speed is ridiculous. Yeah. And it it causes consternation, like, because you you can't literally cross the road or at the junction you can't get through because of the the amount of traffic and the volume of traffic. And this goes on for maybe half an hour in the morning time when people are trying to go to work. Yeah. And Donald, what do you think about this idea that we should start reintroducing regular testing, that all drivers would be tested maybe every four or five years or so? Is that something you'd agree with? Well, in in principle, it's a good idea. But can you see it working because of the way road traffic uh, or, or road, road testers are being treated mm. by the Department of the Environment? That's the reason why you're not getting them because or retaining them because they're treated like dirt. Yeah. Basically. So unless the Department of Environment comes up with a more, shall we say, equitable employment policy, uh, that's not going to work. Okay. Donald. Are you going to have have a long, long queue, a bit like the traffic? Absolutely. Donald, great to talk to you this morning. Happy New Year to you. And many happy returns. All the best. Thanks, Donald. Martin is on the line with us now. He joins me now. Hi, Martin. Good morning, Alison. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you, Pat. All the best. Hope you had a good Christmas. Yeah, great. And we got a quick one I wanted to fire at you there. I think uh, I drive for a living on the road, and I think the standard of driving has gone to the dogs. The people have gone too aggressive on the road for a start. Uh, I was telling the lady I was talking to while I was waiting there, um, you go into any city there, and they're diving across lanes of traffic in front of you and shooting straight up slip roads from the outside lane. But yet, every one of those motorways are under camera. Yeah. So why aren't these number plates being taken and fines sent in the post for dangerous driving? That would put manners on people fairly quickly. 
Martin, are you finding a certain demographic of of, of driver the worst, or is it hey, across look, the board? Every, everybody is the same. Let it be young, old, everybody. Uh, it makes no difference. Uh, people can get lost in what they're doing, forget what they're doing. People can get aggressive, get kick. There's so many factors operating out there every day of the week. It's hard to know what to blame, but there is an awful lot of use of people uh, texting. Yeah. Men, women, everybody. Because I drive a truck and you're up in the height and you can look down and you can see it all going on and it doesn't matter whether it's men or women. It's across the board. And I can't understand nowadays why people are on the phones in their vehicles because every modern vehicle has a Bluetooth connection. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. I've seen a fellow in, an, in a, BM, a big Mercedes, sorry, crossing the M50 one day with his phone in his hand and paperwork on his lap. Oh, my and God. And he drives across the centre lane of the M50. Jeepers. Oh, oh, you see it all, I suppose, if you're out with long enough. Yeah. You see every kind of a clown under the sun. I'm, and I'm no angel. I've done stupid things myself. You know, it, oh, sure, it's we all have, you can't be we? just blame. You yeah. can't be just blaming, oh, oh, it's him, it's him. No, everybody. The stand, but the standard of driving, I think, the aggressiveness on the road. And then when somebody cuts you up and does something to you like that, you instantly get your blood up and you end up getting aggressive. Yeah. And we all need to calm down a bit. Martin, great to talk to you this morning. No bother. All the best. Thanks, Martin. A lot of texts coming in. I'll I'll bring a few of them now just before we go to the ad break. A listener says, oh, it's Jody. I travel a lot on the roads to Limerick, Cork and Nace. I find the driving of some people shocking, especially people driving vans who are always in a rush. Uh, They drive right up on top of you, then overtake you on dangerous bends. Dangerous stuff. Uh, I also find people out walking in front of cars while on their phones, especially in town. I totally agree. Drivers are gone so aggressive now. It really is shocking. Uh, another listener says, on road safety, it would be better if the speed vans were on country roads, not within speed limits. Also, if the speed vans were unmarked, people flash oncoming motorists when they see them. That's from Helen. Uh, Liam says, the government for years say it's under 25, so renew the driving test every four years or whatever. First, I say it is the bad rural roads rather than the motorways. Secondly, retest every four years is only a con. A money job, education and awareness are more important. Uh, Another listener says, education is key. Show people how to drive at 30 kilometres, for example. If you need to drive at 30 or below, it's impossible to be in third gear, so need to stay in second gear. Uh, another listener says the man is right in what he's saying that's either Donald or Frank we all know the speed limit but certain numbers of people won't be told Clonmel is a dangerous place after six with speeding around town youngsters don't watch TV so all the ads in the world won't stop speeding that's from Teresa keep those texts coming in to us 083 311 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to Tip Today. Staying on the issue of road safety, a listener says, I think there should be a simulator and a person should have more to check if you picked up bad habits, then you could see what you have to do to correct your driving, not lose your licence. Everything is money for the government. That's from one listener. Jamie says, people walking, cycling as well, wearing no high-vis jackets and some people's cars only have one light working on dim, which is very dangerous. That's from Jamie. 
Uh, William said, uh, you should fine anyone not wearing a yellow coat at night. €100 Euro on the spot fine. Another listener says, did you ever hear of somebody being pulled in for the back window being fogged up? That's from one listener. Uh, no, I haven't heard of that, but I suppose it, it plays into, you know, you don't have visibility. So... I guess it could be dangerous, but no, I hadn't heard of that before. Keep those texts coming into us 083 311 or 1800-938-007. Another listener says, I personally think speed is a huge uh, contributing factor to road accidents. Guards should be visible, especially at school times, morning and afternoon. It's horrendous the way some people drive, and as far as pedestrian crossings are concerned, they're called that for a reason. The amount of cars that think they can speed right through without stopping is unbelievable. I witness it on on a daily basis. Uh, another one, the standard of driving is terrible. A driving test with no parking, no motorway driving, as well as thousands of drivers on a learner permit for years. The roads are also in a terrible condition with councils uh, blaming National Roads Authority and vice versa. Keep those texts coming into us. We're staying on the issue of roads. More bad news from motorists uh, this new year because an increase in tolls came into effect yesterday on 10 routes around the country. Road users on the M50 will see increases of between 20 and 40 cent depending on what vehicle they drive and of course whether or not they use a tag an unregistered car will pay a toll now of 370 a driver with a video account will pay 310 while a driver with a tag will pay 250 while on the m4 there's a 20 cent increase for cars to 340 one of our listeners tony is on the line to talk to us about this this morning hi tony Good morning. Happy New Year to you and your listeners. Happy New Year to you, Tony. Tell us about the the toll increases. What is your take on the toll increases? Do you think, you know, obviously it's like shooting fish in a barrel uh, for the private companies who operate the tolls, so it's very easy for them to up the prices, isn't it? That is, unfortunately. We've seen, it's not too long ago that we had a a price increase and now another one on top of it. And, of course, what we must realise is that this is a knock-on effect if, uh, especially for, for road transport, we, we rely very heavily on goods transported by road in this country. Mm. And if trucks and things are having to pay an extra toll, it's just passed on. So it is a knock-on effect. It's not just for the, the private motorist who's going to feel the pinch. It ha- it's going to be passed on, and it's just a never-ending cycle. Plus, to the best of my knowledge, and, and I stand to be corrected on this, uh, perhaps some of your listeners might know, but to the best of my knowledge, the deal that was done with a lot of these companies running the tolls is that irrespective of the number of, of vehicles using them, they are um, they are guaranteed an income. Yeah. So uh, even if, if fewer vehicles use the toll, the state is going to have to, to top up the money for these companies. Now, perhaps somebody can shed light on that, but that's what I'm led to believe is the, is the current position, yeah, which I've... seems to be absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I believe you're correct in that, that they have that deal with the government that they have to make a certain amount of money per year. If that isn't met on the tolls, then the government will top that up. You are correct in that. It's it's a crazy yeah. situation. I, I I would love to know who actually signed off on that. I mean, that has to be contrary to, to, to um, you know, if, if ordinary businesses decided to run like that, who's going to fund them? Yeah. If there's a shortfall, it's ludicrous that we're allowing this sort of thing to happen. That roads that have been, take the M50, that has been paid for multiple times. And I heard, I think it was one of the politicians talking about it only yesterday, that it, it, it's been paid for multiple times. Wow. But, uh, and now, how much of the money is going to the state for, for road maintenance uh, and other uh, things as against 
the the operators of the the um, the tolls. I don't know, and that's perhaps a, a big thing. Well, you question the sense of the government handing it over to a private company, knowing that this is a big money spinner, that the money from this could have been used to, to put funding into roads and upgrading of roads. I mean, why wasn't that done? Why was it just handed over? Well, let, let's ask some of these government ministers. Let's find out who actually signed off on that at the time mm. and, and, and ask them what was the reason. Again, there's no accountability for, for, for the way... Th- taxpayers' money. It's basically taxpayers' money because it is a tax and you're paying it every time you use a toll. Yeah. Would you avoid the tolls now, Tony? Would you go the back roads? It depends where I'm going. Um, if, if, I'm, if I'm heading to Dublin or from the Limerick direction <clears throat> and I have no choice but to, to head for Port Leash, it, it, it's just uh, it, you don't have a choice. You have to, have to pay the toll. Yeah. Um, it, it's sometimes... It might be if you're not in any rush and you want to get off the motorway and things like that. Yes, it might be. But by and large, I think most of us, we, we're on a road to get somewhere. We're not to go on a scenic journey. Yeah. And we, we basically have to get there. The roads are designed to get us there efficiently, and which most, most of the time they do, especially with motorways, because we don't have traffic jams, things like that. So we do use them to, to avoid these uh, backlogs and things. Can I ask you, Tony, about driver behaviour? Because we we spoke to Martin and Donal um, and Frank earlier today about what they think maybe is leading to this increase in road fatalities that we saw in 2023. Everyone, and I think all the texts coming in saying that driver behaviour has gotten so bad in this country. What's your take on that? Well, has it gotten bad or has it always been bad? Yeah. Um, I think we, we, we need to look... At, at the very start of it, at our driver training. I think the key to this has to be education. Uh, Penalising people, reducing speed limits, things like that, I don't believe it's going to have a, a huge effect. We need to educate people. We, we, Our road network, the driving test was introduced, to the best of my knowledge, I think it was 1964, and it's barely changed since. Yeah. Are we still we're, reversing we're, around a corner? Is that still... That's a, dan- that's a dangerous manoeuvre. Ridiculous. What... What is it about? Do we do it in real life? Never. You'd, you'd get a ticket if you did that in real life. Well, in, in, in I know in certain countries, I think, I believe in Canada, you certainly would get uh, prosecuted for it. It's ludicrous. I believe in, in uh, mainland uh, England, uh, in England at the moment, I believe they've done away with it. And also motorway driving is part of the driving test. Rightly but so. Here, yeah, rightly so. Because we now have a, a ludicrous situation in Ireland where um, you can go to multiple test centres, Conmel, places like that, that don't have any access to dual carriageways nor to motorways. Mm. You pass your test in these places and you are then free to head off, when you get your licence, head off to a a motorway on your own, on your own, supposedly never having been on one before. It is absolutely ludicrous. And in an ideal world, I suppose, we would have some kind of facility in place where young people could learn how to drive if they hit a patch of ice or if they hit a patch of water or even driving at night time, even very simple things that they're not trained for until they get their licence, which is ridiculous. Well, that is it. Unfortunately, um, we, we have the, the Road Safety Authority here. The, the, the criteria laid down in the 12 lessons that, that learners have to do or six if they're on reduced EBT. It, it is um, one of the things is night driving, and basically, it's it's you tell them about night driving because people don't go out for a drive at night with a driving instructor. No, uh, it, it it is 
unbelievable. We have tests in places like Norway. I know my own sister-in-law when she did her driving test in Norway. It was uh, there were several parts to it. One of them being a night drive. Wow. God, we're so, very behind, aren't we? We're lagging behind. Uh, we're reversing around corners, which people don't do and which people shouldn't do. It's, yeah. it's not safe. Yes, we don't test anybody's ability to reverse park or to park at all, really. Yeah, a friend of mine taught me how to parallel park. I, I wasn't yeah. able to do it before then. Why is that not part of the test? Yeah. A useful manoeuvre that we basically have to do most days. Yeah. Whereas reversing around the corner... Nobody in their right mind. I certainly don't advocate reversing around the corner and I wouldn't because I believe it's a dangerous manoeuvre. Absolutely. And I'm sure if a car crashed into you, you would be in the wrong if you had been reversing around a corner, I presume. Well, you you know, you're, you're contra flow to the traffic. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. Uh, it, it is just ludicrous. And, and, and I, I fail to see why the Road Safety Authority won't embrace uh, and discuss this with the instructors. Yeah. And, uh, you know, talk to people. Find out what's happening. We, we we have a horrendous situation on the roads here. We need to start educating people. People can do their theory test. The theory test is good for, for two years. So in theory, somebody doing the theory test once they're over 15, and then if they do it, it's good for two years. They can then get their, their learner permit at 17 for mm. a car. Uh, now they can do it earlier for a tractor. But uh, it, it, this should be built into our education system. We've got to protect our young people, protect our drivers. Protect everybody. And the way to do this, I believe, is education. Yeah. We need to educate our drivers. And it's urgent. It's urgent. We cannot make it any more urgent than it is. Yet, our driving test... I mean, the biggest change in our driving test has been renaming the three-point turn, the turnabout. Yeah. We're still, we're still in a position where before you're taken out for your driving test, you're uh, asked to demonstrate hand signals. Yet, if the indicators on your car are not working, the driving inst- uh, tester will not take you out for the test. Yeah. What's that about? You know, we need some forward thinking. We need to try and get people into a frame of mind. And if somebody is, is taught properly to drive, it's, it's a skill for life. Absolutely. It's a life skill, and it's so important. Tony, a listener was on to us and said, reversing around the corner is to simulate your ability to, for example, reverse into or out of parking spaces and multi-storey car parks. It's about control of car and development of observation techniques. Yes, and you need the same observation to parallel park. Yeah. Uh, You can test all those observations in a safe spot without reversing around the corner. Yeah. And parallel parking... Uh, it, it, it is extremely essential to be able to park properly and park within the spaces and all of that reversing at any stage requires observation mm-hmm. to make sure it's safe and it's very easy to test that without reversing around the corner where you're leaving yourself open and leaving other people open to danger Yeah, Tony, great to talk to you this morning thanks for taking the time for us Good morning. All the best. Thanks, Tony. That's Tony there. Uh, Still a lot of texts coming in. We'll bring you a few of them there now. A listener says, I'm a professional bus driver in Ross Grey. A couple of days ago, I was driving into Ross Grey from the Templemore Road. I was just at the Templemore Road roundabout when I saw a blue BMW coming down the N52 in a 50k speed zone. He must have been doing 80 plus. He caught up with me. The car tailed my car down past the convent school, down into town, then onto a narrow street. Uh, The car overtook me at high speed. 
Uh, no thought for anyone's safety. Another listener says it's very simple what we all need to do. Keep two hands on the wheel and two eyes on the road. That's John in Lockmore who also told us uh, as well about the, I suppose, the idea um, behind uh, the reversing um, around the corner. Another listener says, I feel all driver testing should be done on a simulator. This would allow the person doing the test to be tested in all different weathers, all different traffic conditions and motorways. All the tests would be recorded and any issues later could be rechecked. Uh, Pat, uh, Happy New Year to you. Pat, he was also in touch with us. He said, part of me thinking of reversing around the corner is that it's safer to reverse into your driveway and drive out onto the road. That's a good point, actually, Pat. Thanks for that. Another listener says, wrote to the minister two years ago after a mirror broke twice on farmer's land, wrote to local TD, nothing happened until I wrote to the chair of the county council. Only then was the ditch cut. Well, I know some farmers, though, and and to defend some of the farmers, they are limited in when they can cut hedging, which is also an issue. I know that's been expanded uh, last year and, and possibly this year as well, but that could be an issue too. Keep those texts coming into us 083 311 or 1800 938 007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry. In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery's Garage. Welcome back to Tip Today. Cathy said, what about the bin companies reversing huge trucks along a street? Two or three operators do this regularly in Ardnagrena in Clonmel on narrow streets with parked cars. That's from Cathy. Another listener says, if you keep two hands on the wheel, you can change the gears. <laughs> Thanks for that. Keep those sticks coming into us. 83 311 or 1800 Now, many of us like to make resolutions for the new year, whether it's losing weight, changing job or taking up more exercise. As we bid farewell to the old year and embark on a brand new one, it's time to reflect, reinvent and set our sights on personal growth, transformation and accomplishment. But will you be setting yourself a New Year's resolution? Helen joins me on the line now. Hi, Helen. Good morning, Ellie. How are you? And I'm Happy great. New Year to you and Emma and the team. Happy New Year to you, Helen, as well. Tell me, have you set a New Year's resolution for yourself? No, I gave up on that a long time ago. <laughs> Did you? Because I, if, it, if I stuck to the New, Year, New Year's resolution two days, it was an epic kind of journey. Yeah. <laughs> so, no. Um, for me, it's 1st of January is an emotive kind of time of year. So yeah. I can't. I'd be running on high emotions to to do something to whatever. Resolutions are usually about changing some part of a person's life. Yeah. And um, I just wouldn't be able to stick in it because it would be running emotions. Okay. And, but, you know, people go on about New Year's resolutions and as if... No, I don't know. I'm saying it's my own choice and I applaud people who can actually stick to them. But it's not as if New Year's resolutions have only been around for the last 100 years or so because they've been around for the last four to 5,000 years. Mm. The Babylonians started it with looking back in the old year, seeing what a person did wrong and saying, now I'm going to try and correct that in the new year. Yeah. And uh, Julius Caesar did the same thing when he brought out the Julian calendar. And set January first as the first of after the beginning of the year, and it has a face looking in two directions: one to the past, one to the future. So you resolve to do something different in the future. Well, it's a nice way, I suppose, of of uh, you know cleaning the slate for the new year. And if there's anything you regret or you didn't like about 
the previous year, then you can say, well, this is my time now. It's different from here on out. This year is going to be different. It's nice to kind of draw a line under what might have been a negative experience during the year and turn it, try and turn it into something positive. It is. Well, no, last year again was a bit of a bit of a bad year. I was going to. I could nearly start swearing. It was that bad, you know, in yeah. places. And um, and there was nothing I could have done. Like it was just stuff that happened in our lives. But I do believe in that. In closing the door on the previous year, trying to yes, and certainly trying to learn from experiences. Because as far as I'm concerned, no experience is um, a mistake if I learn from it hmm. or nothing bad is really bad if I can learn from it because everything is a learning experience so I suppose it's the same way that people would have that attitude then with their um, New Year's resolution Do you know and the usual ones are um, say not swearing that used to be one of mine because I have a tongue like the um, kind of what should be the typical sailor you Oh know? I'm your sister here Helen I'm the yeah. same Yeah, You know the air is a particularly great shade of blue around me at times. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't need to lose weight, take more exercise, I do enough exercise, but try to be nicer to people. (laughs) Yeah, do you know what? That's mine. The last three years, that those were my two resolutions. Lose a bit of weight and be nicer to people. And I always end the year fatter and meaner than when I started. (laughs) Well, yeah, I go around and think, you know, especially if I hit Facebook, I might feel like going, oh, Jesus. And the number of times I have started doing a post and I go, do I really want to post that? You know, because Aww. it could be really, really mean. And I'm going, oh, people knew what goes on in my head sometimes. You know what? <laughs> They'd have me in a straitjacket on purple tablets. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'd say, but you know what? It was it was a very negative year, I think, 2023. It was a tough year for people. There was a lot of bad news. It was It was a heavy year, I thought, wasn't it? I think it was a particularly tragic year. Yeah. You know, and we saw... Oh, look, we we saw so much happening here with asylum seekers and refugees and we saw what the horrific genocide in Gaza and no resolutions. And it was like every month there was just something yeah. worse happening. And I honestly think, I think back to, I say, even as recent as 2019, and think life was so much more pleasant oh, then. wasn't it? No more grey. Yeah, we had no idea that we were living in the good times back in 2018 and what was to come ahead of us. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I suppose, you see, for me, actually, I do a daily um, analysis or analysis might be too strong a word, but that idea of my day and to try and pick up on what I may have, where I may have screwed up or whatever, and try to do better, either immediately pick up the phone and if I need to make an apology to somebody, do it. Yeah, good for you, Ellen. Because I think um, a lot of it, we're yeah. very guilty a lot of the time of, you know, we know, we regret things we've done and we know we've done things wrong. But instead of maybe acknowledging it and leaving it behind, we beat ourselves with it for a long time. We do. And, you know, between that and nursing resentments. Yeah. And the thing about nursing a resentment is, I think, it's like having a pee. At the beginning, it's lovely and warm, but then it gets very cold and stinky. <laughs> you know, and it certainly doesn't keep you warm and it burns. You oh, know? So, it does. Yeah. Oh, it Helen. burns, it burns. <laughs> so you haven't set any New Year's resolutions, but what instead you're doing is kind of, I suppose, are they kind of daily affirmations? Is that what you're doing? Exactly, that's yeah. what I do, yeah, because that way there's nothing piling up and... um 
Yeah, and I'm just a little bit more ease at mind because I don't like, no one likes hurting people. You know, no one likes yeah. get, get pleasure or that, unless, you know, unless there are some other issues going on. But I think it's just a nice idea to do it on a, on a daily basis. Uh, because as I said, yet again, 1st of January is such an emotive time, but I can see where the whole idea comes from with the resolution that it has always been back as far as I said, thousand yeah. years ago of looking back at your past mistakes and resolving to change things in the new year. Yeah, which isn't so, I mean, always I'd a bad thing. I mean, I'd be overweight might be a thing somebody wants to address. Yeah. Helen, stay on the line with me there because Geraldine is with us now as well. Hi, Geraldine. Hi, good morning. How are you, Ali? Happy New Year to you and all. Happy New Year to you, Geraldine, as well, Pat. Tell me, have you a resolution set for the new year or do you think it's all a load of nonsense? Um... I think it's a good idea, I suppose, to to uh, maybe for a personal goal or something that you've wanted to do and you haven't done or, you know, a simple thing like something you need to achieve, start a new regime of walking, uh, swimming, painting, whatever you like to do. Um, I also think that, you know, you can't go back on last year, yeah. but you can certainly start from now and make a brand new ending to the year coming. Yeah, I suppose, Geraldine, it's all a matter of perception, isn't it? Like if you start your resolution with, I need to lose weight or I need to, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a negative thing, instead of saying I want to get healthier and I want yes. to be happier. Yes. Yeah, and I think that's very important. Like health and happiness, they're, they're, they're two gold stars in our life. If you're not healthy, you can't do anything. If you're not happy, you can't because you'll portray your negativity onto somebody else and then that's portrayed onto somebody else. So it becomes a long line of upset and negativity. So start, I suppose, a dance into the new year. Is that what we'd say? Yeah, that's lovely. Tell me, have you set resolutions, Geraldine? Well, I did, actually. Um, I need to walk more. I had a hip replacement two years ago and I kind of got into a little cocoon of uh, it was very successful. I'm pain free and everything, but I had such a time before it. Yeah. I'm afraid to go for a long walk. Now I walked five, maybe up to 10 kilometers a day back wow. in the day. And now I, I'm afraid to go to the shop yeah. in case I can't get back because now this is all in my head. So it's something I have to clear this year and I have to start little and walk, walk, walk and get myself back into a walking regime. And I want to be kinder, if if that makes sense. Yeah. To you yourself? Know, I, to myself and to everybody around me, yeah. Yeah. Because I, I tend to put other people before me. Um, not... I, it's just me. I don't do it intentionally. I just do it yeah. because that's the kind of person I am. And, you know, I, I'd also like to be, maybe take on a project of something, you know, voluntary. Right. Have you anything in mind? Um, maybe help an older person or do something or that they need <coughs> or visit visit somebody you see my mum was nearly 94 when she passed away and there's very little of her friends now I keep in contact with them for the sake of my mum but I should visit and I should be more I suppose hands on and say hello and you know you kind of get into a a rut or a routine 
of your own. You do. Yeah. You know, and you kind of forget about the older generation, which I think is, you know, it's it's wrong. Yeah. And we, yeah, we need to maybe put that time into more volunteering, Geraldine. I think you might be right. Helen, come back to me a second. Yeah, Helen, um, have you, I I can't remember, did I ask you, have you set resolutions or are you just going to keep to your daily affirmations? I'm going to keep to my daily affirmations. Yeah. Because, you know, as I said, I just, if I try to do anything, you see, I'd have to try and go big and grand and to, yeah. you know, to just be just be a myth. But I think it is just listening to, to and Geraldine, Happy New Year to you. Uh, and just same listening to what you. you're saying. Thank you. What you're saying to, but Geraldine was saying about the, you know, that she um, should be doing this. And do you know something? It's a word I used to use, and I redressed that, and I tried to do this on a daily basis. I could do this. But maybe not right now, or I'll try it tomorrow. Yeah, you know, because then I it's the, it is that thing, and if you trigger it with me there about are you both of you do about being kinder to myself because now I'm not a religious person at all, mm. but it is this thing about love thy neighbour as thyself. Yeah. So we should need we need to love ourselves first because how can we love others if we cannot love ourselves? Yeah. Well, that's very true. I always taught my children, if you can't love and respect yourself, you can't love and respect others because it's not yes. in your being. You don't know about it. So, you know, you have to do that to start with and then continue on and portray it to everybody you meet in life. Absolutely. Ladies, I'll have yes. to leave it there for this morning, but thank you so much for your wisdom this morning and all thank the best you, for Ali. 2024. Thanks, Ali. And Thanks, Jordy. You, and you, bye-bye. Bye. Have Thanks, ladies. Thanks. Bye-bye. Happy New Year again. Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 0672411 or slatterysgarage.ie Thanks for that, Pat. Welcome back to Tip Today. We were discussing a lot about uh, New Year's resolutions and roads issues in the first hour, just to bring you some text in relation to what we were discussing. A listener said, if you are following a car around Thurless, you might think the driver in front was drunk, but they're only trying to avoid the potholes in the area. Uh, John in Nina was also in touch. He said, a lot of your comments are a load of cods wallop this morning. It's young lads and high-powered cars that have no cop on that are 90% of the problem. And no matter what tests they do, they just won't learn. That's from Pat. Keep those texts coming in to us 083 311 or 1800938007. Emma is standing by. Also, in relation to New Year's resolutions, listener says, I don't make resolutions so I can't stick to them. If I did, it would be gone by the 4th of January. Uh, like yourself and Helen, I have a mouth and need to get rid of the fat. And plus, if I stick something up on Facebook, uh, feck it, it's just me. That's from one listener. Keep those texts coming in to us. 083 311 Now, Old Moore's Almanac. It's a renowned publication known for its fascinating predictions and wide range of topics, including astrology, weather forecasts, gardening tips and historical events. The Almanac remains a respected and popular source of predictions and information, largely due to the dedicated editor, Nicole Buckley, who joins me on the line now. Oh, Nicole is gone. We'll have to get her back. Uh, what the Almanac does and I've seen it in a number of bookshops uh, right across the county over Christmas and it gives predictions for the year ahead 
And just to give some of them previously, it would have uh, given predictions about Trump, about uh, the first woman Taoiseach in Ireland in 2025. Uh, it also predicts as well about, in previous years actually, it did predict that Kate Middleton was pregnant before it was announced and also predicted that the baby's name would be Charlotte. Uh, the Almanac also predicted Kanye West would have mental health problems and that Trump would run for president again and also predicted the rise of Bitcoin over a decade ago, also predicted the pandemic a year before it happened. So uh, a number of uh, a number of predictions that have come true for it. Nicole is back with us now. Hi, Nicole. Hi there. Good <laughs> to talk to, to you. <laughs> That's okay. We're having issues with phones this morning, so don't worry too much about it. Nicole, just tell us about Old Moore's, Old Moore's Almanac. I know it's been around for quite a while, but how does it get the predictions that it does? So it's been around for 260 years with this issue in 2024, which is incredible. Um, and it's been continuously published um, from the inception. And so it was originally started by a man who was from County Offaly and he was known as a soothsayer or I think the term in the day was like a Merlin. Yeah. And he was known to be a psychic and a savant and he spoke four languages like Latin and Greek. And so he was quite well known for being this mastermind. And um, he did the predictions for, and he lived a really, really long life. So he lived into his 90s, which was really unusual in the day. And um, he was known as someone who could predict the future and he would do his predictions every year. So we have continued on that tradition. So we have a guy who's been doing it for us since 2010. And all we're allowed, he likes to fly under the radar a bit because he works in investments and shares and stocks, the stock markets and stuff. So all we're allowed to say about him is that he's in his 50s. He lives on the north side of Dublin um, and he's been doing it for us since 2010. That's all we're allowed to say about him. So he um, tells us his psychic predictions. Right. So, I mean, they are coming. It's not that he's composing all of this or compiling all this information from algorithms or anything online. I mean, these are psychic predictions, are they? Yeah, the psychic. And I think all psychics are different, but he says he sees future newspaper headlines. So that's his, his particular skill. Right. So tell us what has been predicted for 2024. So there's some interesting ones. We'll start with Ireland. So it actually, last year this prediction started. He would say there would be Ireland would see its first female Taoiseach in the next couple of years. Oh. And last year he said that to watch her because she would be getting her ducks in a row. But the, the prediction for this year, for 2024, because obviously the election isn't until 25, mm. the, he's been saying she will, that prediction still holds, but she'll be quite embattled this year. So she, while you, last year, she, if, while in 2023 she was getting a ducks in a row and she was rising, this year she'll be quite embattled, but she'll get it over the line. So that's a really interesting prediction for Ireland and it's something different, which I think is nice. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Tell me then about, I know the Almanac had predicted, as I was saying, the pandemic before, in terms of health or global issues, what are we looking at in 2024? Well, he hasn't predicted another um a, another uh, plague or anything like that yeah. like no, there's no new covid predicted this, this for 2024 which is fantastic um but there is other disruption for example ai and ai will become conscious and then that's a worldwide thing so that's that's an interesting one in relation to we've had chat tbt for a year now and there was a recent skirmish with their board of management and it was around safety so i think that's a little bit scary um that, that's a really interesting one. Um, 
there's also a, a lot of the, the main global predictions are around transport, which is really interesting because he hasn't really focused on transport loads. But this year in 2024, he's saying the end of roads. And what he means by that is we are going to have these um, air drones that we can get in and they're passenger drones and they're going to be everywhere. And, you know, these countries like China who are being, who've building these massive, massive bridges, they might not need them anymore because if we're all in passenger drones, um, then we're not going to need roads. So that's what he means by the end of roads. Um, and I think that's a particularly interesting um, prediction. Yeah. Another prediction is around money. Now, this is going to be a, this is a global prediction as well as an Irish prediction, which is the fight to to save cash begins. Um, so obviously, we're getting. To, I mean, older people like cash. That's that's what they know. That's what they like. Um, but is going to be phased out. And he says there's about two years between now and when cash will go. He says. Um, and another thing of that with. Another related to that, another prediction related to that is CBDCs, which is the central bank digital currencies. Now, they're a type of crypto made by central governments and apparently they're going to be introduced. And actually, there's there's kind of rumours that the EU is already working on that and about to unleash that. So that's a really interesting one because people are really worried around privacy with that. So once they, these, these coins are in use, everything is recorded on the blockchain. So that's going to be an interesting one watch as well. Yeah, it's mm. funny um, when I was reading through the notes this morning I think one of the predictions may have already come true because it did predict a big earthquake for 2024 and of course we saw what happened in Japan in recent days um, so could that be linked to what was predicted? I, I don't know because I think like uh, knowing I've worked with him now since 2010 so he's, he's actually, the prediction is actually there'll be a big earthquake that stretches across borders. Now I think with Japan when they have an earthquake it's always there's a first one and then there's subsequent ones. Mm. Like it goes through stages where there's three or four in a row so I think like that whole rim of fire, that ring of fire, that, that area, I think that's in for a lot of trouble. So I think when he says it's going to stretch across borders, I don't think we've seen the worst of it yet. So I think that might be the start of it. That's that's how his kind of predictions unfold. It's a big year as well this year for American politics, for US politics. Um, there's a warning as well for Trump in this year's predictions, isn't there? Trump. The first one is around health. And he has said there's a severe warning, health warning around Trump. Now, when he says that over the years, he said that it usually is around the heart. So that usually is what that means. And he's also saying an assassination warning for mm-hmm. Trump. So he doesn't say assassination. He says assassination warning, which means there'll be an attempt. Right. And I think that's really interesting. But in terms of American politics, also Biden. So there's a health, severe health warning around Biden as well. So, I mean, these guys are really old, aren't they? Like, they're the oldest presidential candidates in the history of the election. So, yeah. like, maybe just blush out the old ones, bring in the new ones. We need some new blood over there, I think. Yeah, well, what the, the prediction, the, the wording of the prediction says that Biden will succumb to serious health issues. So can we take from that mm-hmm. that he's predicting Biden will die this year? I think when succumb, I think that means he'll have to step down. Okay. So before, his turn is, before his turn is out is what I got from that. So that's usually what he means by that. Right. Mm. Okay. Uh, when it comes to birth rates, then we'll see the collapse of birth rates and babies becoming rare. Well, I think the Irish are quite safe here. They've got a very high fertility rate in terms of Europe. Um, but already in Italy, there was no babies born for three months. Wow. And that is shocking. And also the other 
Japan and South Korea are also in that boat as well. And babies have become very rare. People aren't having babies anymore. So that ter- that whole terminology, babies becoming rare, imagine that ever happening. Yeah. So that's within the next couple of years and that's something to look out for, that people are just choosing not to get together and they're choosing not to procreate, which I think is... I mean, I think Ireland, I think Ireland, we're all good there, so if we want to <laughs> have babies, we just stay, we just stay in we Ireland. We keep it going. And that's, <laughs> Absolutely. We just keep it going. Another prediction then for 2024 is space mining. How will that work? Space mining. So actually, there was talk about this a few years ago. Obviously, when he gives me the predictions, I go on Google and go down a rabbit hole. And they are talking about mining meteorites and mining comets that are flying through the sky. So while that hasn't happened yet, there, there has been previous talk about this. So that might be something to do with Elon Musk and he sends like he sends so many rockets up there. What is he even doing? Mm. So I don't know, it might be something related to that, but that's something to watch and it will be really interesting because there's claims that there's some planets are just made of diamonds or they rain diamonds or something. I, that's where I'd be going if I was mining. I want the diamonds. But yeah. that's an interesting one to watch. It is. Will you tell me some are there any kind of show busy predictions for this year? We love all that showbiz filth. There are. There are some show busy. Um, let me see. So the big, big story all across the world in 2024 are celebrities and politicians will be busted not paying taxes. Oh. So avoiding taxes and then being shamed for it. And we all love a shaming of a celebrity story. So I'm hoping that one <laughs> it give us a lot of juice, that one. Also, around Prince Harry, so apparently he... So they're both out of favour. Kind of Harry and, and Meghan are a bit out of favour. Yeah. But... Um, they said that Prince Harry will regain favour by the end of the year and people will like him again, not oh. so much Meghan. Meghan's still a bit, fro- they're a bit frosty towards Meghan still. So he'll, she's out of favour still and he's still cool. Um, another thing around Kanye West. So Kanye, or Ye as he likes to be called now, um, will have a problem around his medication. So there's a medication that he's taken and he has a problem with it. Um, so, and also, um, Elon Musk was predicted to have an, a baby in, in another baby in 2023, and he did that. Yeah. So there might be news around him and more babies. He loves to pump out the baby. He so does. He likes to procreate. Be, yeah. Yeah, he likes to procreate. He's a big fan of procreation. So we might see a few more kids from him, maybe. Gotcha. What do you think then when you're you're looking across all of these predictions for 2024? Does it feel a bit heavy, Nicole? Because we've been speaking to callers about that the last couple of years. I mean, we didn't know how good we had it in 2018. And ever since then, things have gotten a bit harder, a bit more negative, a bit darker. Are you seeing that with the predictions? Um, he does do a lot of um, good predictions as well. Like, for example, regenerative medicines means we can finally regrow limbs and organs. That's wow. one of his predictions. So in terms of medicine, um, I think we'll be, there's some really, really exciting stuff going on. So there are good predictions as well. Um, the other thing too is electric planes and drone taxis. Now, I went down the Google rabbit hole with this when he said that. And in China now... They have allowed, you're fully allowed to take these drone taxis as long as they stay under the trajectory of aeroplanes, so in the airspace under where planes go. They are now fully legal to take these um, air air taxis, these drone taxis, passenger taxis, and there's no pilot. So two people get in and they program the drone where they want it to go and off they fly. Wow. So that to me is very scary, but that's just being given clearance just this month. So it's already happening. This stuff is already happening. So some people might think that's really exciting. So imagine not having to go through town 
in a taxi on the ground. You can just fly there. And that will change the whole dynamic of architecture because when you think about it, if we have our cars out the front of our house or in our garage, that's a really different scenario to landing a drone on our balconies. Like if we're in high-rises, there'll be a drone pad. So that will change the whole architecture of cities. I don't know how how I feel about getting into a drone taxi. I think I'd be... I don't know. If there's no pilot, I I, I just want to have a pilot. Yeah, me too. That's my thing. I don't... I'm not into the no pilot thing and being controlled from the ground, not into it. But if there's a pilot for some reason, I would feel better. I yeah. just want a pilot. That's I think I'd be the same. That's my feeling. Nicole, anyone who maybe and is looking to look into their own predictions from Oldmore's Almanac, how can they uh, get it? But just maybe put a call in first rather than going out to a blizzard to get it because they sell out really fast and they sell it in particular areas of the country first. So they sell it to this phone call, but everywhere. Or you can get it online at oldmoresalmanac.com. Oh, perfect. Nicole, a pleasure to talk to you. I know you're joining us from Australia this morning, so thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome. Home for Christmas, back soon. Don't worry. Oh, love it. Thanks, Nicole. All the best. (laughs) That's Nicole Buckley there, who is the editor of the Old Moors Almanac. I've seen it in all bookshops over Christmas as well. Always very popular edition. Uh, Let us know your predictions, actually, for 2024. What do you see happening? 83 311 or 1800-938-007. Joe Noble was in touch with us as well this morning. Happy New Year to you, Joan. Uh, Joe said she nearly got flattened by a pig lorry crossing the zebra crossing. She said, imagine the headlines, woman flattened by pig lorry. Jokes aside, I got some fright. Poor old Joe. Mind yourself, Joe. And happy New Year to you. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today. It's time for our GP slot now and our GP, Dr. Pat Harrell, joins me on the line this morning. Hi, Pat. How are you, Eddie? Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, Pat. Uh, we were sick in our house. The whole place was sick over Christmas, I think. We had flu in our house and was doing the rounds around the community. It's it's a strange oh, old viral God, flu going around, isn't it? There's there's two things going around, really, Ali. Um, COVID is back up as a bang, you know. It's, yeah. it's, like, um, it's like one of those Christmas hits that keeps coming back every year, you know. And um, I... I'd urge anyone, you know, flu jabs and um, COVID jabs, um, talk to your chemist and get it because they get their back in the increase. Could I just say anybody um, who's thinking of coming, I, I, just anyone coming into us, we ask them to do a COVID test if there's any respiratory symptoms. And because um, you don't know, you know, and yeah. you can get the test tests anywhere. You can get them in a supermarket. You know, you can get them in a chemist. You can get them anywhere. They're only a couple of quid. And because, you see, if you come in and you don't know if it's a COVID, the virus, and people coming in looking for antibiotics, and it's pointless taking an antibiotic if it's a virus. Yeah. You know, if the antibiotics cured COVID, like, there wouldn't have been a pandemic in the first place. Pat, so, can I ask, um, there, was, there was some discussion around the family table over Christmas that the yeah. uh, the test, the COVID test, won't pick up on the new strains of COVID. Is that true or false? But I don't. I, I haven't heard. Okay. If it's if it's true, it's a new one to me. I think Annie, it's a theory. Sure. That's all it was. Yeah, but it's it, it, you know you might have um, influenza B as well, mm. um, or, or or not as well, but instead of it. So at least if you do the COVID test and you see the two lines, you know where you are. You yeah. know where um, if you don't, you're just sort of speculating. 
And the other thing is, um, if you have any respiratory symptoms, try not to give it to anybody else. Yeah. Because I mean, I think there's about 300 people in hospital with at the moment, you know, and they're the people, you know, you can see somebody who's walking around looking perfectly well, but they might have a kidney transplant or something yeah. that you don't know about. So um, one good sneeze and, and they're in deep trouble. So just be mindful of other people. But it is, it is, it's miserable weather. I'm like, yeah. talking about COVID and everything. I, I hope it sort of was, um, I hope, I'm sorry to hear you were all sick, Ali. We were, well, no, I, do, I wasn't the worst affected. Now, my beloved had an awful time of it. He put down a hard old week with it. And it was definitely flu and it wasn't man flu. It was definitely real flu. But oh, that, yeah. you know, you wondered, like... Cows you, all right. they, they were, they were fine. <laughs> uh, can I ask that you were saying, though, there's no point taking an antibiotic for anything viral. When do you know, like, if... if some people are saying, I, I don't know if I should go to the doctor with it or not. When should you go? When should you try and, and keep it at bay at home? Good old question there. No, that's that's very true. Um, if, with, with generally, as a rule of thumb, um, if it's above the head, it's viral. You know, the runny nose, the watery eyes, the cough, and that kind of stuff. Um, if it's if below and in the chest, and you're coughing up gunge and um, greeny muck and stuff like that. It's 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 a bacteria. That's kind of a rule of thumb. Um, and I wouldn't. Um, you, you, but most people, if it's a runny nose and a sneeze, and five years ago, I'd have said um, just give it its course. The body will fight it off. There are antiviral tablets. We don't use them too often um, unless you sort of a bad underlying condition. Um, it can move down then your bacteria is more sort of a, a chest infection kind yeah. of a thing but the complication is the flu and people often say they have the flu if you have a proper influenza it generally hits you like a ton of bricks you don't have the runny nose and your the myalgia the muscle pain yeah. and you really can't get out of the bed you know now the HSC is a very good website under the weather and it explains that in great detail. So if you have any kind of a smartphone or computer or something like that, you can have a look at it. And it's got a kind of a contrast between the flu and uh, the, what they call orty, upper respiratory tract infections, which is basically old-fashioned for a cold. Yeah. I still think an old steam bath is the best thing, and still is. Steam baths are great. Yeah. Steam is great for the head. Vitamin D is great. Everybody oh, yeah. in the country is low in vitamin D. And um, one of the best things you can do if you do with COVID is get to have a good dollop of vitamin D from the chemist and take that and not give it to anybody else. And, as Andy Irvine used to say, time will cure you. Absolutely. In most cases. We're, you know. All going well anyway. We're going to talk about endoscopies today, Pat. And I was very interested to, to hear about the capsule endoscopy. I hadn't heard of that before. Tell us how it works. Well, it's out for a wee while. And there's a lovely article in the Irish Times this morning um, by an old pal of mine, Sheila Wayman, about a kid in Ennis who was the first person um, paediatric to get it in Ireland. And um, now a scope is where you get a fibre optic camera and they look up your bum. Or, or they look down your throat, not simultaneously, which is grand, but there's a sort of a bit in the middle they, they don't get, right. you know. So um, this is like the size of a vitamin tablet. It's a little flashing light. And this little kid, James O'Neill, he, um, he swallowed this. It went down into his tummy and then down into the south. And it's taken thousands of... It's, it's actually a flashing light to light up the gut and it's taking thousands and thousands of images as it goes down. Wow. So it gets those awkward bits you can't get in and last about 12 hours he's got it's connected up to a camera and they get a great look at the inside of your gut. Wow. Um, now, I've seen it used in adults 
um, generally if they're losing blood from somewhere in the gut they don't know where and they can't see they've got a capsule endoscopy but it's a new one for, for, for kitties um, completely painless and they say it's an absolute godsend um, it's you know if you're suspecting something like Crohn's celiac but it's that hard um, to reach place and the swallowing of one pill will let you see the small bowel the large bowel and the good thing about kids is they don't have to be knocked out yeah. they they don't have to spend the day in hospital they freeze up things they come in you swallow the thing they go walk around the town for a while and then the thing after 12 hours it just stops slashing and it dies I don't think they recover as far as I know Does it pass but out or anything? No? It passes out right. and I, I think they let it go I don't <laughs> as I know they don't use it again. <laughs> so isn't that great? Because the instance of inflammatory bowel disease in children, it says here, has doubled every decade in recent times. Wow. Um, in 2000, the month of 35 new cases in Crumlin, and in 2023, it was 160. So they're having a research study to look and see why our kids get more inflammatory bowel disease than they used to do. You'd imagine it's so, diet, would you? Oh, probably. Yeah. Probably. Um, you do have to look after it. You know, in the last few years we've become um, we've become conscious of a thing called the bionome and the bionome is the bacteria in your gut and it's perfectly healthy you need bacteria in your gut if you didn't have bacteria in your gut you'd, you'd have no vitamin K it wouldn't digest properly and it's like a healthy um, like you're a farmer a healthy field you yeah. know it's not sterile it's not dead and you want that and then again you see if you take inappropriate antibiotics you know, if it's archaic and antibiotics for um, a cold or something like that, it, it does have a big effect on the bacteria in your gut. It kills them. Yeah. So um, it upsets the whole the whole wildlife of your gut, if you like. So um, that's just another reason to be very careful with antibiotics, not used them indiscriminately. Yeah. You know, it's it's New Year now, Pat, so we were talking about resolutions and stuff this morning, and a lot of the texts coming into the show are all from people who want to be more healthy, maybe, in the new year. What are some of the easy changes that people can make in order to have a healthier 2024? Well, I'd, I'd be gentle at this time of year, because as you might have noticed, the weather is horrible. Awful. We're all a bit wrecked and tired and low and everything. But if you really want to make meaningful change, you do it with baby steps. And um, there's there's a very good book called Atomic Habits. It's about starting little habits that are good for your health. Um, just quick ones is I just ask, um, if you're having a shower in the morning, we've talked about this many a time on the show, it's, it's very good for your immune system. Just uh, when you've had your shower, run it cold for a few seconds. Not yeah. terribly cold. You don't have to blow the head off yourself, but just enough to give the immune system a bit of it. And you can build up to a minute or two and get a bit colder. And after a while, it becomes a little habit that you won't even know. Um, I'm, I'm a big advocate another, of that, Pat. I think it's amazing. But when you come out of the routine of it, it's very hard to get back in. So if you if you yeah, get it going, keep it routine. going. Yeah, habits are stronger than than our minds, you know. So if you get like you can have a bad habit, like every time you finish your cup of tea, you have a fag or a biscuit or something like that. But you can also get into good habits. There's one. <laughs> look at this. This actually is in the Guardian newspaper, not the Nina Guardian, the other one. And they're saying like. Brush your te- when you're brushing your teeth, stand on one leg. Oh, really? Which sounds a bit daft. But as you do get on a bit, Ali, and it'll happen to you as much as the rest of us, your your balance isn't as good. And if your balance isn't as good, you're more likely to get falls and things like that. Yeah. So it is very good to practice doing things like standing on one leg from time to time and working on your balance and your core strength. Pilates, yoga. It, and the big thing people tend to do with the 1st of January is 
sign up for all kinds of things yeah. and decide you're going to run. But it's all little steps because you don't want to sort of injure yourself in the first week. But if you did work on your balance, your flexibility, and and as you get on um, your strength, you know, your... Um, you know, a, a little set of weights or something. Actually, Operation Transformation is starting Yeah, in a couple of days. And they usually... The, the reason I like the show is the... It's not particularly the people. It's the little bits where you get these little nuggets of advice. You know, the experts, and they come and they say you should be doing this or that. And, you know, when you see them getting the bottles of water and lifting it and working on the arms yeah. and the upper body strength and all that kind of thing, that's so important as you get older, especially if you're in a sitting-down job. And... Another thing, um, and, and you can incorporate things into your lifestyle. Like, you know, if you get into sort of the habit of parking the car a bit away from the town and walking in when you go in, instead of sort of trying to park it immediately, just incorporate little walks, little bursts of exercise. Taking the stairs every chance you get. Mm. Every chance you get. You shouldn't really take the lift at all unless you're carrying a big box or something like that. And, you know, if you get into the, the mindset of doing these little things and um, like I'm walking around now talking to you because I, I could sit down all day every day at work if I wanted to, but, you know, get into the habit of standing up and stretching and walking around the place. That's yeah. just another great habit to get into. And we're obsessed with steps, aren't we? So what what is the optimum amount of steps you should be doing a day? You, you don't have to get to 10. Okay. Six to eight is pretty good. Right. Um, ten is actually quite useful. It, it 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 will keep you reasonably healthy to do your ten. But six to eight should be six to eight thousand a day mm. would be would be very a good target and a good one to do. All right, Pat. We'll have to leave it there for this morning. Happy New Year to okay, you. Okay, take care. Happy New Year to you. All well. the best. Bye-bye. Thanks, Pat. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip today on one eight hundred nine three eight double o seven. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today. Delighted to be joined in studio by Thomas Conway for a look at global news for this new year. Good morning, Thomas. Morning, Ali. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. When we look forward to 2024, I suppose there's just one word, elections. Elections. Elections, 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 and they're popping up everywhere. It isn't just the big ones. I mean, obviously, your mind will go straight away to the American general election. We're likely to have a general election here in this country. The UK is also likely to go to the polls. But in total, more than half the people on the planet live in countries that would hold a nationwide election in 2024. That's incredible. Close to 2 billion people in more than 70 countries. It, it, it really is astonishing. And it's not just... It's not just, they're not just elections in themselves, they're significant elections and elections which would significantly shape the global political landscape. We have the big ones, I've mentioned the big ones. I mean, America is going to be huge. Mm. It will determine not just the future trajectory of the US, but the trajectory of Europe and other places across the globe as well. Will Trump sweep back to power? Will Biden be able to defeat him? And it, in all likelihood, it looks like it will be a rematch between Trump and Biden, barring ill health or something like that. Do you think so? Because Nikki Halley's doing well. She's doing well, in fairness to her. Now, I wonder, would she be considered as a running mate to Trump? Yeah. That is my my suspicion there. I think she's doing well, but she's still polling well behind Donald in the the polls. I don't think she's credibly 
uh, going to steal his nomination, but she could stand as a running mate and she would be quite a strong running mate, would curry favour with a lot of middle-class mm-hmm. urban voters, you know, which Trump needs if he wants to beat Biden this time round. Yeah. So, you know, a lot there's going to be a lot of controversy. That campaign has the potential to turn poisonous. Absolutely. Uh, and it, it, we're, we're straight into that in two weeks with caucuses, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, we're straight. We have the we have the Iowa caucus. We then have we then have the intersection of Trump's federal uh investigations and, and his uh his court cases essentially with the election campaign. So I think he's in court the day before Super Tuesday, which is when fourteen Oh it's astonishing. It's astonishing. It'll be the first time in in recorded history that we have a US presidential candidate who's a felon, effectively. Uh, well, he hasn't been convicted just yet. Uh, but he's already been struck off the record in Maine and Colorado. Now, he will likely appeal that to the Supreme Court and they will quash it so he'll get away with it. But, I mean, it just outlines the gravity of this situation. The thing is, though, it isn't just America. I, I was looking at it all. The most ballots will be cast in Asia. Its biggest democracies, Bangladesh, India and Indonesia, They'll all go to the polls. The Indian one is particularly interesting. You have Narendra Modi, a Hindu nationalist prime minister there, uh, very focused. He has led his country relatively well, but he's been very controversial and has sowed a lot of division across India in recent years. He is likely to secure another term. That'll be very interesting. Joko Widodo, the president of Indonesia, he is kind of a political dynasty in Indonesia and will look to consolidate his power there. So it isn't just America that you have these elections happening. It really is all over the place. And then... You look across the water at Britain, I mean, no more than ourselves, like it will be fascinating. Yeah. Is this, this is Keir Starmer's moment. It's his moment to shine. He has an opportunity now which few Labour leaders have been given in the past. He's kind of rehabilitated Labour's reputation since the Corbyn days. Yeah. You know, he's brought them back from the far left to a more moderate party of kind of centre left liberals. And the question is now, can he stand up to Rishi Sunak and defeat Rishi Sunak? The polls would suggest he can. Uh, the polls are, are in his favour very much so. But it will be very interesting to see. Can he mm. retain that red wall of voters in the northeast Midlands uh, that plumped the Conservative Party last time? Yeah, it'll be it a very be, dirty one, won't it? It will. It will. It'll be extremely... Again, it could get poisonous. Yeah. And, and it's sad to see... When the rhetoric becomes so nasty and toxic, I don't think general, you know, the general population likes that. You know, you like to see a respectable campaign. You like to see it carried out in respectable terms. Mm. Uh, but that one has the election, uh, the the prospect to get very ugly, as does an Irish general election. And we have to allude to it because, I mean, Leo is likely to pull one probably in the autumn. We have huge European and local elections in in May, in June, uh, yeah. in, in June rather. Uh, he's likely to go for one in the autumn. It'll be very interesting to see. The government can run its course until, I think, March of next year, so March 2025. But my suspicion, and I think the suspicions of a lot of people across the political spectrum, is he will uh, he will go for it earlier uh, and choose to go at some stage in the autumn. Now, you never know. Uh, you do you never... think he'll use the local elections as a sounding board? I think he probably will. Yeah. And if Sinn Féin do particularly well, it'll be interesting to see what he makes. But Sinn Féin have dipped in the polls in the past few polls, but they're still leading. They still have a considerable lead and they still are by far the most popular party. Fine Gael is kind of languishing there. Fianna Fáil's got a bit of a bounce. Micheál Martin is, is popular. 
Uh, and I like him as a politician. I think he's, you know, all sorts of rumours that he might travel off to Europe, that he might go for the European Commissioner role. He has kind of dismissed that and said, no, he will remain in this country for the time being. And that is my suspicion that he will he will stay with Irish politics and stay the course here. Mm. So it'll be very interesting to see, it without doubt. It will be very interesting. Uh, if we look at then Mexico as well, because it's not all bad news, they will elect their first female president. Yeah, Claudia Scheinbaum is her name. She's a former mayor of Mexico City. And this is, look, this is fantastic news. Anyone who believes in inequality, gender equality, should be delighted to hear this. This Claudia Scheinbaum figure, she's kind of a, look, she's a protege of the current, uh, the current president, Andres Manuel López Obrador, who is kind of a populist. He, he, he kind of skirts along the boundaries of, of populism. He's done a relatively good job as president. He's bought, brought crime rates down a little bit. And as we know, crime is, mm. is the major issue in Mexico, in Mexico City in particular. Yeah. I'm not sure he hit the cartels as much as he promised he would. No, though. yeah, he made, he, he made lavish promises that he would tackle cartel and the, the narco, narco yeah. trade industry. Uh, he hasn't really been as successful as he would have liked, which just points to the strength and depth yeah. that they have and the grip which they have over the country. Now, this this new uh, woman, woman I should say, Claudia Scheinbaum, she's up against another cont- a contender, another female, uh, who isn't likely to defeat her. But I mean, we, so we have two females in the running, which means one is going to be elected. It will almost certainly be a female president. Uh, she has kind of come with a, a range of kind of innovative new policies she uh she's kind of she had an interesting tenure as mayor of Mexico City helped to bring crime rates down there by doing relatively simple things by such things as introducing street lighting in areas where there once was none you know small actions like that which actually can make a change beefing up the security forces beefing up the police force uh, and you would expect in the role as president she will look to do more of that that she will look to consolidate the security services because Mexico is a country racked by violence and ravaged mm. by violence and they really have to get a grip on it. A lot of the problems along the southern US border with Mexico stem from the violence in that region, the illegal people smuggling, the cartel struggling, smuggling, the narco, the narco trade there, uh, drug smuggling into the US. It's an issue that has to be tackled. If, if there's to be any harmony between, between the US government and the Mexican government, if they are to work side by side, and I think Mexico is a country which is blossoming in some respects. It has huge economic potential there. Yeah. Uh, you know, a booming, thriving population, a young and skilled labour force. Uh, it has quite a young population as well, which is, uh, which is an asset to it. But it has to get to on top of crime if it, is to, if it is to move forward and push forward and improve. Absolutely. Taiwan then as well. I mean, yeah. it's interesting because these are all elections we feel will have absolutely no impact on us, but it does have a wider global kind of reverberation, doesn't it? Oh, it does. It does. And the Taiwanese one is is upcoming. It's on January 13th. And it is really interesting because it will determine the future trajectory of Taiwan, essentially, whether it stays close or whether it maintains its independence from China or whether it forges a closer alliance depends on which candidate is elected. There are kind of two candidates. One one party favours China, favours kind of, 
unification or a slow process of unification with the Chinese mainland. The other is staunchly independent. And we saw President Xi Jinping, the Chinese president, allude to it in his in his New Year's Day speech. We saw him allude to the uh, the looming election in China and the fact that he wants to bring it under Thai or under Chinese control. It'll be a particularly interesting one. I mean, for the fate of the West, it, it's in the West's interest that Taiwan maintains its independence, and America has pledged has pledged to support it uh, in the event of a Chinese invasion. It is, you know, it has stood firmly behind it. Now, should that happen, can you imagine another war on? You know, we have Ukraine, we have the Middle East, we have numerous conflagrations across the across the African continent, which are sometimes forgotten. If there were to be a brewing storm over Taiwan, I mean, that would have disastrous consequences for the global political order. Uh, You have all these fires going off in different parts of the world. And it's, you know, it's sad and it's it's difficult to uh, it's difficult to reckon with them because there are so many consequences. There are people are losing their lives here. Uh, People are losing their lives in the Middle East, in Ukraine. Uh, Taiwan is another place that is in a perilous position now. So this election really will be crucial in determining its future direction. Yeah. I mean, if you could look back at at global politics over 2023 and assign one word to it, I think it would probably be insecurity, wouldn't it? Is is that set to continue this year? Insecurity is the word, and it looks like it. As long as the conflict in the Middle East festers and as long as the Ukrainian-Russian conflict continues to persist, I think that notion of insecurity will remain high on on people's agenda. And look, there doesn't look to be a way out, an immediate way out, certainly in terms of the Middle East. You had Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli Prime Minister, saying this is a war that will take many more months. My suspicion is that it could take even more than that, that we could be looking at years here. And certainly with the Russia-Ukraine situation, we're looking at a long, a a war of endurance. Mm. Uh, And Vladimir Putin knows that. And Russia are probably in a better position from that perspective. They have more manpower, simply. They have a, a colossal amount of troops that they can call upon in contrast to Ukraine, which is now trying to mobilise mobilise younger men and get people out on the battlefield because Ukraine's groups are, are tired at this mm. stage and understandably so, fatigue would creep in at this stage of the war. They're kind of, uh, you know, they've got Western support. It is crucial that the West continues to support them. And I can't underline how crucial, uh, how, how important that is, that there is a sustained package of support, not just in terms of military support, but financial as well, because Ukraine is trying to prop up a war economy. It still has to gain funds just to run its government departments, just to run ordinary things like healthcare, education. It still needs money and by implication, it needs the support of Western allies. Uh, So the interventions of Western nations, of America, of Europe will be crucial there, Mm. also crucial in the Middle East. But it doesn't have the support of of voters and that could be a problem, particularly in the US elections. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And if Trump were to come to power, you have to question what would happen. I mean, he's he said he'll solve this crisis in a day and kind of one of these, you know, off-the-cuff remarks. You really don't know what Trump... Uh, he could do anything. He could throw a spanner in the works and he could take a side uh, almost immediately. But, I mean, it is very unpredictable. It is in Ukraine's interest, definitely, that Joe Biden remains in power. Uh, but you do have that cohort, you're absolutely right, that cohort of the US population who are disinterested in the war in Ukraine and kind of disinterested in the Middle East as well and 
look, they have their own issues at home. They have domestic fires burning and they want those issues solved rather than going to tackle the the crisis there. So it'll be an interesting one. It'll be, you know, my my, my prediction is that both wars will persist throughout 2023. There looks to be no end in sight. And the thing about the, the Middle East in particular is there seems to be no unity candidate emerging. There seems to be no... No John Hume, if you like. We yeah. had the Irish peace process and we had figures like John Hume, Seamus Mallon, who came to the fore uh, and kind of rescued the peace process, resurrected the hopes of peace and knitted together the Good Friday Agreement. You don't kind of have that happening in the Middle East at the moment. I see no kind of potential successor to uh, Netanyahu emerging, who's who's an advocate of peace, similar on the Palestinian side. So well, he probably wouldn't allow it either. He probably wouldn't allow it. Now his, I think his his term is finite. His term is short lived. Once the war ends, Netanyahu will go, and I think he will he will have to answer questions for how this all happened under his watch, uh, and very serious questions. So will many of the military generals there. Uh, but for the time being, he's in power. He's in situ. He's in charge of a war cabinet, and there looks to be no stopping him. As as far as Israel is concerned and the bombardment of the Gaza Strip. So do you really believe, Thomas, we this time next year we will still be talking about a war in the Middle East and a war in Ukraine? I think we probably will. I think it's probably, certainly with the war in Ukraine, I mean, it looks to have grown to a stalemate at this point. Uh, and unless there is some kind of peace settlement, there's been no indication from either side that they will accept a peace settlement. I mean, any settlement, it would seem to Vladimir Putin, will have to comprise of them taking certain Ukrainian territories, the annexed territories. Vladimir Zelensky will not agree to that. And too right he is. I mean, it would be an illegal annexation of, of part of Ukraine. He's right to stand up for his country. Uh, but as far as peace is concerned, it's a really difficult one. The tensions will continue to boil. I think uh, Russia and Ukraine will continue to pour troops onto the battlefield unless somebody can step in from Europe, unless a uh, and Emmanuel Macron can come in there and try and mediate between the two. Unless Trump comes in and shakes the whole thing up and forces people into action, it's likely that the war in Ukraine will continue. It's definitely likely that the Middle East will will probably continue. Certainly it will extend into the coming months, Ali. And, mm. and there, there is no doubt about that. I mean, the question is, in the Middle East, once the war is over, and we hope, you know, we hope it's short term, what happens then? What happens to Gaza? Who is in control of it? Uh, who administers the territory? Is it the Israelis? Surely the Gazan population will not accept that after the, the bombardment that has been raining down upon them since the start of this war. So who controls these territories? It's it's a very it's a very interesting one. It's hard to get your head around. Uh, but certainly I think we're looking at another year of conflict on the horizon, yeah. Yeah. And with 2024 and all the elections we can look forward to across the world, do you think that any of those elections or maybe all of them together will gi will give us a bit of stability? There's a, there's, a, there's a prospect. You know, you can you can dream about an election in America in which Biden comes back to the presidency. I know he's old and I know people will immediately point to his age. He'll be 85 if he wins this presidential election, 85 by the end of... Uh, his second term, which is remarkable in itself. 
But he has done a relatively good job as president, in my estimation. He has kind of restored a bit of respectability, a bit of credibility to I America. I think the opposite. I think America think so? is the laughing stock now because of Biden, more so than under Trump. Do you think so? That's fascinating. Yeah. That's fascinating. And do you mind me asking why? Like why? I just feel he's a character that nobody takes seriously, that he's a bit of a puppet. Yeah, the well, there, there's an argument. There's an argument for that, and I know I do accept with his health, he he can look very fragile at times. And in contrast to Trump, Trump, who is this vivacious, energetic yeah. character who kind of carries with him this ball of charisma and can command a room. Biden is a very different figure. But I'm looking at the international alliances that are there and the fact that the US has stepped back into the, we'll say, the Paris Climate Change Agreement, other agreements there. Uh, and I think he has restored a bit of credibility on that front. But certainly it's an interesting. I take your point. I take your point that Trump could be a character who shakes things up. And he's proven that in the past. And in ways, you know, Trump, everything Trump did in his last term wasn't all incorrect. He made a couple of shrewd political moves. I think the pandemic got the better of him ultimately, uh, ultimately. And that led to his downfall. Uh, and his behaviour in kind of in light of that kind of tainted him and tainted his reputation. Uh, but certainly he is a decisive man and he is a man of action and he will definitely uh, he will definitely tackle these kind of looming global crises head on. Uh, you can be certain of that. So there is it'll be very interesting to see were he to reassume the presidency what implications it would have for yeah. the global political landscape, not just for America. Yeah, it's all to watch out for in 2024. Thomas, thanks for talking to us this pleasure, morning. Ali. Thank pleasure, Ali. Thank you. Happy New Year. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. We always have ideas for the new year, what we're yeah, going to do, aren't definitely. we? definitely. And you know, when people hear uh, all year long, but even more, especially now this time of the year, I'll be on date if, I, if anybody hears I'm in the tier decided, oh, my God, it's great to be in the interiors. I love that. Oh, can you give me a tip? Can you do this? Oh, I'm bored of this or whatever. So, like, you know, especially this time of year, but all year long, we're always looking to change something. Yeah. And maybe have an update. We're fed up with a corner or fed up with something, you know. So I suppose I'm going to be talking this morning about what are the trends, the design trends for 2024. But I have to say, I feel uh, the trends that uh, the key ones for January have been slowly but surely coming in the end of last okay. year as well. So they, they were kind of, some of them were there already. <clears throat> so as we're saying, there's no need to redecorate or re renovate your home every year. But new trends can definitely give you inspiration to spruce up a space. Um, <clears throat> so what I'm going to talk about today includes the use of warm, neutral colours over stark whites and the newer trends of using blues as primary colours. So grey is gone? Grey is somewhat going out, but I will say grey is a neutral colour, no more that beige is a neutral colour. So grey is always going to be there. <clears throat> but for those few years, grey totally took over. Completely. In every shade. Yeah. So when you went into a shop to buy anything, it was, it was mostly grey. Yeah. So that trend is changing. And we saw that change last year that we saw that dark olive green come in, that we saw mustard, that we saw the pinks, the purples, the blues. Um, I've just finished doing a house and I use quite um, a lot of blue as accent colours and blue prim primarily in their sitting room and their powder room. Yeah. Downstairs as well. Do you know what I love lately? Teal. 
Love it. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, and I have a colour actually here today um, that I've used in the, the sitting room that I was showing you there on the mood board. And it is a type of tea. It's a blue. It's called dragon fl- Dragonfly Wing. From but would you say that's a teal? No, I'd say, that's, say a that's a blue. blue. Yeah. That's, okay, that's more a blue. And I could see a little bit of teal in it, but def- yeah. there's not, not much green and it is blue. Yeah. Yeah, but you love the you love I love the, the greedier teal. Yeah, let's see. I have a couple of colour charts with me. So, seeing as you're testing me on my teal, uh, let's see what we th- what I think can I come up with. Uh, so, would you be saying long weekend is a teal? Oh, it's more green underneath it. I'd say is the teal. petrol that one. Yeah, the petrol. Okay, That's teal so we're looking at now. colour chart. But again, if you want to look up any of these names, um, if you just go put in the name into Google, it will bring you to the colour and the colour chart. So we're talking about long weekend, uh, petrol. And um, Dragonfly Wing is my favourite colour blue at the moment. Yeah. So. um, What can you put with that then? Like, I I always think pink, it goes really well with it. And then it gets stuck. Pink pink goes really well with it. But I think if you, you know, if you look at the mood board that I've made here, I've introduced quite a lot of gold and tops into that. Right. And the curtains that are there are quite a heavy herringbone tweed. And they're in a cream, so a toppy cream, not a yellowy cream, but a toppy cream. So in the room that I've done, totally in that blue, and um, there's a a top fireplace, very heavy tweed top curtains, and then gold and blue accents. So what what's the theme we're going for then? Is a kind of cozy luxuriousness. That's like that's beautiful uh, to do all the the woodwork around it as well. Yeah, the same so we color. actually in that room what we did was um, that was solid wood uh, cabinetry that we got made to fit the alcoves in the room, and it was all hand painted. Gorgeous. So that was four to five coats of paint, and also so the paint in the cabinetry is the same color as the walls. Yeah, and um, then we did want to go for the blue sofas as well, just yeah. to have that very dramatic room. But I think. It's a drama room, but it's very classical, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it re- looks real cosy, doesn't it? Does. It does. And lovely. we've got the, the powder room beside it, which is the downstairs loo. And again, I brought that colour into that room and introduced a lot of brass and gold mm. um, in, in with it as well. So if you're using a blue like that, I think it needs very warm colours. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And would you have it. like the pops of like the mustard you the, have? The there, mustard and the gold is absolutely yeah. fantastic there. In this one, while we can't see it here, I brought in some some green and some mustard in there as well, and a Roman blind and and some pictures and quite a lot of mahogany. So, um, and that's what the client wanted. Yeah. So, as well as being the interior designer, I always have to listen to the clients. Yeah, and of make course. sure and make sure they get what they want. So, um. When it comes to kitchens, then what are we looking at for colours for kitchens? Are we looking at that same kind of green, taupey colours, or we're looking at the greens? So, if you're thinking of hand painting a kitchen, is what we're talking about. Um, we're looking at if you're going into a kitchen shop and you're seeing that deep blue, it 100% is muscle. That's beautiful, yeah. It's, so it's kind of like a navy. It's a definitely a navy, and in the shops you don't get the name of the colour paint, but if you did want to hand paint them or if you wanted to match it up with paint but it's most certainly muscle another one that's out there at the moment in the shops is four arches okay so like so a really dark green a really dark green um, the kitchen that I have on my mood board that we repainted so it was a solid ash kitchen and we repainted it um, in a dark grey and we changed the worktop up mm. and that grey is called Templar T-E-M-P-L-A-R 
grey. So again, if you're in the kitchen shops and you see a really dark grey, it is Templar grey. Yeah. So is the wood kitchen gone now? Absolutely not. Right. No. So people are still taking, buying wood kitchens, ordering wood kitchens, but the painted kitchens have taken over from them. But I suppose why I'm showing the painted kitchen today and talking about a painted kitchen is, I would say, 25% of my work this year has been repainting kitchens and right. revamping old kitchens. So to talk about what's in and out in kitchens, so what's, what's really in now is um, revamping your worktop. So what's very much in for 2024 is maybe all along, we've be, if somebody's been replacing their worktop, they may replace their backsplash to match it. Yeah. So if they're getting a granite or a corian or a, a stone worktop, they'll also put the backsplash, the stone. But what's coming back on trend now is having the worktop, whatever that is, and having your tiling back on the back again. Ah, so it's, it's taken a... It always comes yeah, full circle. Always comes round. So, you know... Because if you are replacing your uh, worktop and you're thinking of doing the backsplash the same, in a very standard size kitchen, it's five to seven thousand, and in some kitchens maybe ten. Wow! So that's quite expensive. So yeah. it's much um, less expensive if you are doing a kitchen revamp or if you're buying a new kitchen and installing a new kitchen. To I always talk about budget. Look at the options. If you look at the trends for 2024, it is that you don't have to have all stone or all granite and push the boat out because sometimes that can be as much as the kitchen. Yeah. So are you better off then maybe to have a subway tile that you can paint? And it would be gorgeous. And the subway tiles come in lots of neutrals, but they also come in all different colours as well. And I think that's very timeless. It never changes. And, you know, as we've spoken about through the year here, you can paint tiles successfully 100%. But of course, if you're bu- if you're starting out and you're buying tiles and you're buying a worktop, you've no notion painting them. No. You know, in the but in the long term you may do. But what I'm dealing with a lot of the time is revamps in houses and um there may be repainting the kitchen. They may decide to replace the worktop. I'm on a job, you know, um at the minute and they're can't replace their kitchen. It's a handmade kitchen, cost an awful lot of money. Probably twenty eight years ago, in perfect nick. Mm. So we're going to repaint that. But she's decided to take off the worktop and the tiles, and you know, put up some stone. But um, in my own kitchen, I don't have a backsplash because my ki- I live in my kitchen. Yeah. So I decided if I put a big piece of stone there, or if I put tiles there. It would be too kitcheny, even yeah. though, of course, it's my kitchen. So I just got it repainted there before Christmas. I'm lucky enough that my brother's a painter and it got repainted before Christmas. That'll keep me going now for another year Is or it two. tough to paint tiles? Uh, the thing is, they need to be cleaned down properly, washed down properly with a solution, sugar soap, even fairy liquid and, and, and hot water would do that, dried off properly, left dry, and then put a proper primer on them and, again, left dry and then two coats of a satin wood or an eggshell finish. So for any of their listeners that's not maybe not used to buying paint or haven't bought paint in a long time, satin wood and eggshell are almost the same finish. They're a semi-gloss. You can buy them water-based. So if you buy a water-based primer, it dries in a couple of hours. Right. If you buy a water-based satin wood or eggshell, it dries in a couple of hours. So if you did want to repaint your tiles, it's an easy task to do in a oh, weekend. Would you paint the grout as well? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. But I've been painting tiles and doing up kitchens with probably 20 years I'm painting tiles. And if it's done properly, you don't have an issue. Yeah. And some paints are more harder wearing than others. So, you know, um, ask the questions when you go into a shop mm. and um, tell them what your needs are and see how they can help you. Yeah. What I'm looking at this year, Karen, is painting a wooden floor. 
and I keep putting it off because I have to sand it first and then I wonder, am I better off to get someone in to you, do it? it? It depends on how, we'll say, how marked it is. And I don't mean that, you know, but is it is it marked, is our pathway that's very marked more so than any any other part or not? If not, a light sanding would do it. And then maybe, and of course, you have to rem- try and remember what you did put on it in the in the last instance mm. because if it's an oil based you have to put oil based back on it and if it's water based you have to put a water based really? product back on it because if you mix try and mix oil and water together it won't work yeah. so what you need to do is if if you've bought it you can ask the shop wherever you bought it and if you have actually coated it before yourself with a product it needs to be either water based or uh, oil base and it's a really good question thanks even for after ascending you know even after ascending if you know you're not going to send off all the products so you do need to know what was on it less what if you don't know because i have a clue it was yeah. done before i bought it yeah maybe somebody in the in the know would know to look at it, what it yeah what it is you know but that's an important question. Oh, and it happens that. with it happens in houses if you're repainting your doors and you've had a glass on before. And now you want to put on uh, water based, for instance, and the glass was egg sh- was uh, oil based, and you want to put on water based. Well, then you need to put on an undercoat to flatten it all off, so as now that that will prep is the right primer for your water based. So it's it's always good to ask ask somebody with yeah. a bit of knowledge in a shop or even take a picture of your doors or of your floor or whatever and just ask for some little bit mm. of help. When it comes to soft furnishings then, what are the trends for this year? The trends are, uh, I suppose, sofas are there in all the neutrals. Blue is huge. Blue is huge last year. Green is huge. My trend, my number one tip for a trend is buy the furniture that suits your room buy the furniture that fits Um, recliners are ever so popular they're still as popular as they were some people need a recliner um, maybe for health reasons you know Um, some people need orthopaedic chairs or type of orthopaedic chairs again for health reasons so everything doesn't have to be matchy matchy yeah so you know, if you have children and uh, if your children are teenagers and they like a certain type of chair and the whole lot, a sitting room or a living room, or you know, an area in the house doesn't have to be absolutely perfect. So I think the trends are: we're definitely going to see a lot of blue. We're definitely going to see a lot of green. We're definitely going to see pink. But blue is the dominant color. We're going to see more grey because that's an offspring of the blue. Mm. Um, a lot of colour out there. Um, the rugs that were in store before Christmas were absolutely crazy colours. So so an awful lot of colour and a splash of colour coming in. But it's just, I would say to everybody, um, buy what you like. Yeah. Is wallpaper still... Huge. Absolutely yeah. huge. Uh, again, wallpaper, wallpaper being um, especially on one wall, yeah. maybe in a room, absolutely huge. And uh, what's really big is herringbone. It was in last year, but it wasn't one of the trends, but now it's one of the key trends. So herringbone be um, herringbone on furniture. If you go into any of the main uh, stores in really? town, you'll see herringbone and furniture. Um, you'll see melogen type furniture that the doors, you know, um, uh, how will I say, um, open in a melogen style. Lots and lots of herringbone. I, I think we're on three year of herringbone, but it hasn't been a really big serious trend until this year. Mm. So herringbone floors, timber floors in solid, but mostly in laminate. 
and 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 semi laminate as well, and um, lots of herringbone furniture. That the front of the furniture, when you look at them, are herringbone yeah. as well. So that's absolutely huge. A nice trend, very timeless, very very timeless. But a lot of the time, especially in floors, herringbone will cost more money to buy, and it'll cost more money to put down. Right. So it's just something because it's a trend. You make sure you like it. Yeah. Because if you don't, it'll cost you quite a bit. Okay. Any any more place. trends or mud, tips for twenty four? Mudrooms. Oh, I love a mudroom. You saw that on that. You love I a mudroom. Like, it's it's the Irish woman's ensuite, I yes. think, isn't it? The yes, mudroom. Yes, yes, yes. So the mudroom is huge. So, uh, I've done a mudroom lately, and it was a utility. So anybody out there who has a utility, I'll tell this story, not to hold you, but I'll tell this story because, um. You might have a utility that you can turn into part mudroom as well without spending big money. Mm. Okay, so um, it was part of this revamp, kitchen revamp actually that I was talking about with the Templar Grey. So we had, um, we hadn't the seat and we hadn't the hooks for hanging that we could see, but we had wood long larder press that we could put presses in or put the um, the brush in and the hoover in the whole lot but we really wanted the mudroom look yeah. so all we did it was repainted all that utility and we added on a seat and we added on um, some panelling in the back maybe 10 panels you know 10 strips of timber mm. and our hooks and it looked fantastic oh I'd love it but if, if a lot of houses now if it's in the budget and they're starting out mudrooms are very popular yeah so if I'm in and I'm designing a house um, the chances are, uh, you know, earlier on, the chances are, I would say, um, mostly probably 50 and under want a mudroom. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's 50 and over, maybe less children in the house and the whole lot, maybe want to use their space a bit more, but might necessarily need a mudroom unless they might be farming or, you know, doing a job yeah. that they'd need that kind of... Um, room, but mudrooms um, are They're really huge. Popular. Yeah, and if anyone's building a house, I'd say to them, whatever size your utility is, double it. Double it because uh, I mean, for any of us, um, we need drying. We need some place to wash, which is our utility always. Yeah. So for our washing and our dryer, but we need some place to dry because if we're using outside for the winter, it's an on-runner. If we're using a shed outside, it's an on-runner because the clothes still come in half damp. Yeah. Um, so we need washer, dryer. Close horse, close horse. You know, and you you can get them that they're hanging from the ceiling, and you can take them yeah. up and take them down, and they're not in the way. You can all because sometimes one or two close horses isn't enough. There's yeah. a lot in the house, or you've a lot of washing, or you have to come back from being away or whatever. Um, some place to sit down. If you have a seat, even if you're buying it online in a very you know in reasonable stores, you can get seating with storage underneath yeah. for your shoes for the for the I you know I don't have that situation, but for the um soccer boots or for the rugby boots or for the slitters or the hurlies or whatever yeah. and room then to dry your dry your coats when they come in as well that they're not put into a press stamp. Yeah. So hanging space. So there's there anybody's utility room if you have any little space at all can be adapted as it is to give you that little bit of seated area and hanging area and maybe storage underneath the seat you'll find a space. Yeah. We don't ask for much, do we? We it's, just want a not, nice mud room. It's not a lot to ask for because I tell you for for people there's we've enough to be doing every day and if we could just find spaces in our house that work for us yeah. that lessens our workload and makes it easier 
it's not asking for a lot actually no it's not we might delve into that maybe another day about you know some people might get hung up on I have no space we need to build on you don't always necessarily have to build on just no. kind of no, look at what I, you have I was, I was looking at a job before Christmas and um, they were thinking of renovating upstairs so we went and we looked and um, the builder came or whatever and we looked and we thought what they were going to achieve by putting in the stairs and um, slabbing upstairs and getting it all done the space they'd achieve wasn't worth money Yeah, and they probably would move on maybe in 8 or 10 years time and wouldn't stay in the house so when I go in as an interior designer it's a lot more normally than colours and and the whole lot so in, in that case I'm talking to the couple and I'm saying look this is the cost this is this this is what you're telling me the builder doesn't know this is what you're telling me so we're going to talk out kind of what their house needs to do for them now and in if we do this job are they going to get that money back in eight years' time? Yeah. Not, a, not a hope. But if we do this job, is it going to add value to the house? Are they going to enjoy the house for the next eight years? And will they get that money back? Yes, they will. So after a couple of meetings, we decide, right, this is going to cost this much, that's out. This is going to cost this much. This makes really uh, great sense for us for, as a family, as a growing family for the next eight years. Yeah. And let's do that. So a lot of the time, it's always, you have to be, I would say, Yes, dreams do come true and interior design shows and all and they all, all the passion and the glory and the whole lot and whatever. But you have to be sensible about how much you're spending and how you're using your space and is it worth it? And as you said, most of the time we all have enough space. Yeah, yeah. And it's just about achieving a look a lot of the time, isn't it? Uh, That mightn't be practical. Yeah, but but even I think sometimes you get bogged out in your own house and you don't realise what you have yeah. and you think you're missing a lot and if you were in and out of other people's houses like I am you're not missing that much yeah. and it's just sometimes um, the beauty's in what you already have yeah and making the most of and it making the most of anyone it. who's looking to make contact with you I'm sure you're going to be busy for the next couple of months now because we all have notions now about what we're going to be doing <laughs> to our house so how can people contact it's you? It's 086-606-9009 that's 86 Six zero six nine zero zero nine. Perfect. And we'll have that information here as well for anyone who's looking for it. We'll talk to you next time. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everyone. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today. We were discussing um, New Year's resolutions earlier of course, it's the first show back in 2024, so it's a big topic for discussion. I'm delighted to be joined in studio this morning by our relationship mentor and co-creational psychotherapist, Susan O'Donoghue. Happy New Year, first of all, Susie. Happy New Year, Ali. Lovely to be here. I know, and it's nice. And we were talking about uh, New Year's resolutions with a few callers, and they were very sage and wise this morning, and they were talking about how sometimes people put too much pressure on themselves by making these resolutions that maybe are unattainable for a lot of people but instead making little choices day to day are the real the right way of doing it would you agree with that yeah i think everybody's they are where they're supposed to be number one right so whatever sits right for you is where you need to be at um i think the pressure comes from it's nearly socially isn't it yeah yeah you know it's like this big thing that you have to make huge changes and i suppose weight is huge, new jobs, mm. you know, there's a list of stuff people do and it's kind of, you know, I'm going to get fitter, I'm going to get healthier, I'm going to get... And I often think about, you know, we look at changing things about ourselves. Why can't we just be ourselves and try and get more into who we really are? Now, that's the that's the that's that's my suggestion, yeah. would be instead of changing it, 
just try and be who you really are. So take away all the masks. Yeah, because we all wear masks, don't we, every day? You know, every time you meet somebody and it all depends on who you're meeting, you'll put on a different one, pretend you're in a great place and have a big smile and how are you getting on? And then you could meet somebody else, you'd be very guarded. Mm. So how about just looking at that and having an understanding of what's going on for you? Right. That, you know what I mean? Instead of changing something, just look at how is it for you and try and get an understanding of why we behave the way we behave. Yeah. That's my suggestion, but that's always where I'm coming from. Because it's a funny week, I think, this week, because for a lot of people, they will have expectations of Christmas that maybe weren't met. And now they're facing into a new year where the weather is horrible and you're in that crimbo limbo, I always call it, between New Year's and Christmas, which is weird as well. And nobody, you, you just feel a bit unstable, I think, do you? Yeah, a bit unsettled, maybe, yeah. you know. And you're going back into a new year and like maybe it wasn't so great last year. Yeah. And you're trying to make this next year feel a lot better. And realistically, it's every day you wake up that, you know, you need to have a look at how is it for me and what do I need to do around it for myself? Mm. Because there's only one person can make your Christmas right and that's yourself. Yeah. You know, you can't, like if we're relying on other people, we're automatically giving away, you know, like we're giving over to them what we need to be having for ourselves, which is the responsibility of taking care of ourselves. Yeah. You know, it's also it's it's like that regret you have after a night's drinking. I think that this time of year, because you've spent a lot of money for Christmas, the bills are coming in now for a lot of people they won't get paid till the end, the end of the month. So there's a lot of pressure financially too yeah, on people this huge. time of year. And I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves yeah. financially, you know, uh, and realistically, when you think about it, there's nothing more valuable than giving someone your time. And I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but like for kids, for anybody, like I brought my kids on great holidays, right? And it's the ones that we went to Clare that yeah. they remember. Do you know where we had buckets and spades and, out, the, you know, digging holes? That's what, if you ask them now, and they're all older now, like 16 is the youngest, that's what they'll say they remember. Yeah. So realistically, like, you can go to all the great places, you can go to Disney, you can go to whatever you want. And they are great holidays, don't mm. get me wrong. But what kids really remember and what people remember is the time that you've spent together. Yeah. They're funny, like, they'll let you down with a bang that way. You could spend a fortune on a holiday. And they'd be like, do you remember that time we found the snail in the yeah. woods? And you're like, oh, we God went fishing. Yeah. Remember years ago, we went down to, was it uh, Clane? And uh, we went fishing for crabs. Now, uh, I didn't even know you could do that, right? But it was somebody who told us that we met down there and we saw him and he was like, yeah, you just put a bit of chicken bone on the end of the, throw in the string and you catch a crab. Go away. Well, the fun. I mean, that's that kind of stuff. That's yeah. what they remember. You know, so like I just think that, you know, when it becomes all about monetary and it's all, yeah. you know, like we really lose ourselves in it, don't we? Yeah. We really lose who we are because we're not we're not our belongings. We're not our we are we belong to ourselves, yeah. yeah. We don't belong to something else or something else doesn't make us better because we have it. Mm. You know, um and I think realistically it's all about being your being your true self, taking off the mask, you know, because the back the back to mask skin, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. What's funny as well, I remember speaking to John Lynch on this a few times, our solicitor, and he was saying this is the most popular time of the year for them with people going in looking for advice on marriage breakdown. So it's yeah. the most popular time of year where marriages will break down. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Is that because... People are re-evaluating everything. Maybe Christmas was the straw that broke the camel's back and they've decided enough is enough. What? Why is it this time of year? I would say it's a combination of everything. Number one, there's huge pressure around Christmas, like you've said it yeah. yourself financially. Then you spend a lot of time together. Yeah. Do you know? <laughs> that can be good or bad. Yeah. But when the expectations are huge about somebody else filling our need, yeah, and you don't get what you what, what you thought you should get, yeah, the minute you bring shoulds, must have to and ought to into it, then you know you're after leaving yourself, right? So 
why didn't I get this? I should have got that. Why wouldn't he buy me that? You know, and I think as women, and I put my own hand up years ago, there was an expectation there that people should know what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and well, I don't know how men feel that. because I am a woman. So, you yeah. know, but as myself, there would have been an expectation there. Whereas now I just, I, I every year I go out and I buy myself something and I put it under the tree and that's my present. Yeah. To yeah. myself, from myself. And I think it's one of the nicest things I've ever done. And I try and do it every year without fail. If it can be a book, it can be a small thing, it can be, but it's wrapped, it's put under the tree and it's from me to me. Yeah. yeah? At least then you're getting what you want. And I've I've all, like, I, my poor husband-in-law, <laughs> I would say, I brought back more presents than, right? That's what I did. Because yeah. they didn't, you know, he'd go out and he'd do his best. But lots of times I'll tell him what I want. Yeah. Doesn't it make life so much easier? It does. You know, and there's no pressure then on him and like, you know, he'll tell me what he wants and I'll get him what he wants. And that's basically what we do. Yeah. Because why would you do that to somebody? I know we did that too this year. We told each other what we wanted. There was no row. There was nothing. <laughs> like it was perfect. No expectation. Nothing. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so the I, way to go. Yeah. I think it, it just takes a lot of the, you know, I don't know, the, I don't know. It's kind of like this fantasy stuff around, yeah. you know, you know, my life should be this way. My life must be that way. And it's kind of this expectation of what society wants. You know what I mean? And mm. sure, realistically, it's what you want. Yeah. You know, like live for yourself, not for somebody else. Because the greatest addiction in the world is the addiction to what other people think of us. Really, Susan? I would say so. Yeah, it's right up there, isn't it? Is that the, the whole scourge of social media then as well? That makes oh. that worse, doesn't it? Yeah. See, because we're social, we want we're, we're, we want to be connected. Connection yeah. is part of... But the real person we want to be connected to is ourselves, yeah? yeah, consciously. But we really need other people, yeah? So we'll do anything to get belonging and to get love. So therefore, we'll... we'll stand in our head for other people just so that they'll see us and they'll like us and they'll, you know, there's nothing worse than not being seen. Mm. Yeah. You know. We had a couple of callers as well this morning who were talking about um, how their resolution is to volunteer more this year. That kind of plays into a little bit of, of that need to belong somewhere and to oh, feel so. like you, you have value. Yeah, and it's the value thing, isn't it? And remember, we're all born worthy and we're all born valuable, yeah? There's nobody on this planet who isn't born worthy, yeah? And then what happens is we get knocks along the way, yeah, and our little bit of confidence gets chipped at and our self-esteem. And that's what you, what you need to build on is your self-esteem, not your value, because you are valuable and, mm. you, you know, you are worthy. That's a given. Yeah. So I think for people even to know that, that you are worthy of love and belonging and affection and you are worthy of a place in the world, the same as everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. And you are valued, you know. When it comes to parenting then for the new year, like if you're looking back on last year and thought, God, there was some things I got wrong there. I'm going to maybe look at things differently. You might have a child who's going into a new phase, maybe who's a teenager or might be going to college next year or something. So how you parent might be changing in 2024. So how do you prepare yourself for that and adjust to it? Right. Number one on the list always is yourself, right? Because our kids look to us for guidance. They follow our example, right? So if you want a child who can care for themselves, you need to show them a responsible adult who can take care of their needs. Yeah. Yeah. So that's number one always on the list. And being honest with them, and age appropriate, of course, right? But being honest with your kids, you know, don't be... And, and watch that addiction to what everybody else thinks, yeah, watch that because that draws us in the whole time. And, you know, we'll have expectations then around our children what they should be doing. Remember, shoulds, must, have to and ought to. If you're using them words, you're in kind of a an unconscious kind of defensive place, right? So now we're, we're 
beating against the tide kind of, right? So what we need to do is we need to step back, we need to examine and reflect on how it is for us. And is there fear coming up for me around if my child doesn't go to college or doesn't get the points they need or, you know, because we're coming into the leaving cert time yeah. now, which is so stressful for everybody, mm. yeah? But like, even like you'll hear people saying, you know, how many points did they get? I don't care if they got a thousand pints. Yeah. I never say pints. Pints. My child is not a point. Yeah. 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 My child is not an exam result. That's the bottom line. Yeah. And believe you me, there's way more going on now than exam results for our kids. Mm. So I really think we need to be in a good place to hold them. So number one on the list is taking care of yourself always so that you're there for your child. Yeah. Yeah. How do you start if you're someone maybe who doesn't have like an open dialogue? with your child for whatever reason and you've decided 2024 is the year where we're going to be more open and we're going to try and have a closer connection. How do you start that? Because if you haven't had it all along, they'll probably be a bit suspicious of it. Of course they will. And it's like dipping your toe in the water. Isn't yeah. It? Honesty, if that's what you're feeling, have it sit with your child and say, is it OK to sit with you? I just need to speak with you. Is that OK? Like, respect their space too. Know that maybe it's not okay for them for you to sit with them. Yeah. Maybe they don't want your. Maybe they don't want you sitting with them. Maybe they're like too fearful of it. Maybe they think, what's she going to say now? You know. But I think it's about being honest with them and saying, look, I really would love to have a better connection with you. You know, because I love you, and you know, I feel like you know, there's a bit of separation there, or whatever your words are. Use your own words. Don't use mine. Yeah, mm. because mine are what I use. But whatever comes up for you, be honest enough to say it. But make sure that you reflect on it before you say it. Yeah. Don't go in there and just, just you know what I mean. Have a reflection first and find out where you're at, because that's what I'm always saying to you. Where you're at is where you're going to be for your child. Mm. If I'm not in a good place, if I'm fearful, if I'm uh, always looking to others to see what my cues are, that's where I'm going to be at with my child. So I'm going to treat my child the same way. So when I sit with my child, I'm going to be looking to everybody else to see what my what I need to be doing with my child, if you get me. Yeah. As opposed to if I'm in a good place and I go, well, sure, the reason I was so upset with my child for not getting the whatever, right, pints, was because... I got upset years ago and there was an expectation around my, how I should be around, uh, say, achievement. So then that's that's reflecting on yourself. So then I bring myself to my child. Mm. Yeah. When it comes to New Year's resolutions, um, a lot of people will say if you kind of make them too unattainable, then you feel like a failure. So if you are someone who likes to set resolutions to yourself, how do you do it in a way that's not setting yourself up for failure? Right. I think um, the word failure always, I love it, right? Because the man who never failed never did anything. Yeah. Yeah. Failure is part of success. That's what we do. I think sometimes we set our expectations too high. Yeah. We're, and I think that has a lot to do with society and what other people think you should be doing. Yeah. Mm. You must and you have to. Uh, so I think it's about re-examining that again. What does failure mean to me? And how was fa- failure in my story? You know, how did failure become so dangerous for me? How is it that I fear fail, failure so much? Because like we all fail. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of living. Yeah. And if I go around and I'm terrified of failure, I'm going to pass that on to my child, mm. no matter what age they are. Because remember, they learn from example. Yeah. Yeah. So the greatest gift you can give your child is to reflect on your own stuff, no matter, you know what I mean? It's always inwards, never outwards. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. yeah. Do you set resolutions for yourself for the new year? Do I set resolutions for myself for the new year? Not really, no. Um, I think every morning I get up, I say to myself, 
you know, what do I need today for myself? That's yeah. my question always. Like, what's what's my need today? Like, what do I need to be doing? And I'm, I suppose, what, what I want for myself the whole time is to be able to look at stuff that comes up for me every day, not just the new year, but every single day that you wake up and say, uh, you meet somebody and they don't salute you. Uh, what's my reaction or my response now to this? Am I like, oh my God, what did I do to that person? How is it they're not talking to me? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> that kind of a sense of, and then how is it that that's, my, that's the way I'm, I'm responding to that? Sure, that person, they might have had a terrible morning. Sure, my, mm. it's nothing to do with me. Like, But how is it that I can't stay separate from another person's behaviour? That's the kind of stuff I try and catch. Or another big one for people is uh, when someone asks me to do something because I care, that was my label growing up, um, and can I say no? Why do you feel bad saying no? I would have years ago. Not so much anymore. Yeah. I'm not very good at it. But I suppose for me, it would have been huge. Like I would have been seen as the carer, right? So I would have been seen as the one if that went wrong, come to me, yeah. I'll sort it for you. Because that's how I got seen in life, right? That That's what I took on as a child, which was so amazing. T- the things we take on as children is absolutely phenomenal. And we take this on, then we, we bring it with us then into adulthood where we don't need it anymore. Mm. Because now I'm not relying on my parents or my, my guardians or whoever is with me for support. Excuse me. I'm relying on myself. So how is it now that I'm bringing that protector with me into adulthood? And the reason is, is because I've never found a safe space to reflect on what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. So I'll keep using it and using it and use it because it's got me through all the younger years and I've survived what I had to survive. Yeah. Mm. But now I want to live as an adult. I don't want to survive anymore. I want to live. I want to truly like have a great life where I feel like I'm alive. Yeah. Yeah. So now I need to reflect on what's going on for me and what behaviours am I using? Like, and we use so many behaviours unconsciously. Yeah. They say like well over 90% is unconscious and I'd believe that. You know what I mean? Because they're all reactive, aren't they? Yeah. You know, someone comes up to you and says something. You know, you you don't you don't go by and have a think about it and go, hang on now, how am I if going only, to respond? <laughs> if only we could do that. Yeah, but the th- the question to ask yourself the whole time is, what's my need in this? How is this for me? Yeah. You know, am I okay? That here? feels selfish, though, doesn't it? It's but that's most, okay. Well, would you want your child to do that? Yeah. Yeah. So, is your child being selfish? That's the question, you know, because I suppose we're brought up in a world where it's all about uh, being addicted to what other people think. See the way it all comes back to that? Yeah. yeah. So now if I'm if I'm fearful that another person's going to think badly of me and then I won't maybe belong anymore to their group or you know what I mean? And as kids, that's huge. And especially as teenagers. Yeah. yeah. So we do carry that with us. So if I have a parent at home who's addicted to what other people think of them, where am I ever going to see an example of what it's truly like to take care of yourself. Yeah. You know, and to truly take care of myself, I need to ask myself, that doesn't mean that I say no every time, right? There might be times when I go, yeah, I'd love to do that. But saying no is great, right? But then you'll say no and you'll think about it while you think, oh, I feel bad now, I should have done that. Yeah, and then then you bait yourself over. And then then what's going on for you? I don't know. Yeah. How was it for you then when you were small to say no? Yeah. Do you know when they said to you, if... I don't know, Granny or Auntie, what Mary said something to you, and they go, "Oh no, go on now, do that for Auntie Mary, or go off and give Auntie Mary a kiss, or do you know?" And you were like, "I don't want to give Auntie Mary yeah. a kiss," but you do it because then you know that there'll be consequences if you don't. Yeah, yeah. and everyone will be happy with you if you just concede and do it. And that's the whole yeah. bringing it into adulthood now. That sense of because there was a fear there for you, right? So now you're now remember all feelings make sense. 
Yeah. So now these feelings coming up, right? They're prompting you to know that there was danger in doing that when you were small. Do you see how amazing we are? Oh. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's yeah. very interesting. Yes. I love behaviour. Oh. I get such a buzz out of it. I think we are fascinating. I really do. Yeah, and there's a reason for all behaviour. Like all behaviour makes yeah. sense. Susan, anyone who's looking to make contact with you, how can they do that? Sure, it's info at emotionalwellbeing.ie or it's uh, 086-3676-256. Great, we'll have those details here. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. And Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Fran is away all of this week, so you know what? We're going to play a bit of music, I think, this week uh, while, while the cat's away. Anyway, for our last segment uh, this week, we're going to go to our tech slot now. I'm delighted to be joined, as always, by Niall Kitson. Niall, good morning. Morning, Ali. We're talking kind of predictions all morning this morning, uh, Niall. And when it comes to IT predictions, I mean, we saw it with the Almanac this morning. We were talking about predictions there. They were saying that AI was going to grow a consciousness. That's what they were predicting. So in terms of tech, how are you looking into 2024? What do you see the trends and the predictions to be? Yeah, there's quite a, a gamut of predictions one can make. I tend to look directly to Europe straight away to see what's happening because uh, when the tech sector gets particularly antsy, it's usually because Europe has some kind of regulatory uh, strategy down down the road. And guess what? We, we actually have one coming uh, from February. Uh, companies will be required to be in compliance with the digital with the Digital Market and also the Digital Services Act. Now, the Digital Services Act is really interesting because we actually had a digital services coordinator, John Evans, uh, appointed in the summer, and it's his going. It's going to be his job to make sure the Services Act is is uh, Im- Im- implicated. So, basically, what this does is. Usually, if you have a problem with Facebook, if you have a problem with Google, if you have a problem with any of the big platforms out there, you make a complaint, you might hear back, you might not, you might get a response that might be too slow. Uh, you know, this could be something that is either quite minor or it could be something, you know, quite, that would end up in a fairly significant uh, legal action. It's up to the digital services uh, coordinator to actually hold these platforms to account and say, do you know what, you haven't done this properly. Uh, and, you know, uh, the top end of the sanction is 6% of a company's worldwide turnover. So this is GDPR level uh, enforcement, which is really good. Now, uh, of course, the, the big uh, social media and the big tech companies came out and said, you know, this is going to be bad for innovation. We're going to mm-hmm. have to, you know, invest so much more in uh, content moderation. It's going to really hurt our businesses. Well, guess what? You know, if you're Google, you can afford this stuff. Uh, just be better. Uh, and, I, and I think this is a particular uh, piece of legislation that's really going to benefit us in the long run. So that's kind of what Europe has been up to. Uh, of course, they've got the uh, AI Act as well, which was sort of a, a groundbreaking agreement made in December. Uh, it's not coming into effect until 25, 26. So it's, it, we're in the sort of the education uh, stage of it. Europe is all about developing what they call trustworthy AI. It's a risk-based approach. So you can look at something... 
you know, under four tiers, starting at low to minimal risk, at limited risk. Then you get into things like high risk, where you're looking at companies and how they're actually working. Uh, the applications of the technologies that they've got. Uh, and then at the top level, they've got uh, what they call unacceptable risk or prohibited risk, if you will. Part of which feeds into something that we're going to be trialling in Ireland, which is, of course, the use of facial recognition technology. Yeah. Now, facial recognition on the surface is, you know, it, it sounds quite useful, but it's a GDPR nightmare. Mm. And also, the technology itself is quite flawed. Now, any kind of artificial intelligence is only as good as the data it's trained on, right? So previously, we've had facial recognition models trained on Caucasian faces, you know, on Asian faces, uh, on faces with fairly limited racial demographics. So, you know, the initial studies that came out went, you know, we, we've got it, you know, we can map faces, we can do really well. However, when it came to people of colour, there were significant problems in misidentifying people. Wow. So that's going to be a huge problem because if you've only trained something to identify you know, a very small subset of a, a population or a small subset of items, if you will, when it's you know subjected to something outside of those very narrow parameters, you're going to fail, you know? Mm. So, you know, it's it's almost, you know, if you're trained on, you know, identifying pens, and all of a sudden you're given a pencil, of course you're going to misidentify it as, as being a pen because that's all you've been trained on. And the same applies to people, unfortunately, when it comes to facial recognition. So on the surface, a great idea. Um, in practice, not so much. Uh, however, there's also arguments over, you know, okay, you've been captured on facial recognition. What now? Do you get stored in a server forever? Yeah. Uh, or do you have a right to actually come back and say, Joe, you captured my features, but I'm not actually under investigation for anything. Um, you have to let me know. Uh, and of course, then facial recognition becomes a GDPR nightmare in and of itself because you do have the right to know what is being held about you for how long it's being held about you and to make sure that um, that information is being subjected to best practices. So, you know, facial recognition is another GDPR nightmare in as much as we would like to see it work it doesn't work as well as we'd like it to either. So that's another part of sort of the regulatory problems, another part of the AI problem. There's lots of good news out there, though, as well. Uh, during the year, we had the formation of the Irish Space Association, uh, because you may not know it, but there's lots of com Irish companies out there involved in what's called the space economy. Yeah. Now, these are companies that are developing technologies, either with the express uh, intention of them being used uh, as part of a European space, space Association project, or just companies that have been working on something and have looked at their product and gone, do you know what, this would actually work over here as well. And we're finding that an awful lot in Ireland. We're finding this mix of companies finding new applications in the space economy for their own products, their own services. Uh, and we've also got companies looking to develop things specifically for use in orbit. Uh, and of course, uh, in 2023, we had the launch of the first Irish satellite, AirSat-1. So it shows that, you know, the expertise is there, the interest is there, and this is just a, a sector that's going to keep growing and growing. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. Um, I suppose one of the last things to, to mention is uh, AR and VR. Yes, they're still around. People kind of still like it. Um, last year, Apple announced that they were getting into uh, virtual reality with the Vision Pro in America. That's getting a release in early 2024. So 
yeah. a month or two away. I, I, I've heard February. Um, but this uh, runs what they're calling a spatial operating uh, operating system. So in the sense that you know your your regular screen will just operate in two dimensions. Uh, the Vision Pro will be using something in three dimensions. Now, one thing that I quite like about the Vision Pro as a VR headset is that it solves a problem a lot of VR headsets have already. Is that if you talk to someone who's wearing an Oculus or or what have you. You're looking at a box on their face. You, mm. You've no cues as to how they're reacting to what you're saying. Uh, Apple solved this problem by basically putting one camera on the inside of the of the VR headset and putting a screen on the outside. Wow! So you you can actually see you know how people are responding to what you're saying without there being you know a, a mirror or as such or anything interfering with the with the product with the headset itself so it's all the problem uh, and it's something that's uh, pretty cool to look at apple did a very smart thing as they did with the iphone before it they basically just handed over to developers and said okay show us what we can do with this thing uh and we'll we'll go from there mm. so uh yep that's something to look forward to in february if anyone can make virtual reality work uh, I think it's Apple. Uh, whether anyone will be able to afford the Vision Pro in, in the short term, uh, that, that's another question. I mean, there are a few companies that have done very well with uh, what they call mixed reality. Um, Apple, uh, Apple, of course, is coming. However, you know, Google failed abysmally with Google Glass, you might remember mm, years ago. Yeah. But Apple, ha- uh, sorry, Microsoft has their equivalent uh, with the HoloLens, and it's actually worked out really well because they've figured out the uh, sectors that it will work well in so you're looking at engineering you're looking at medical problems this is sort of this is the kind of space that augmented reality has worked really well in uh, and so it's i'm interested to see where apple takes the technology yeah. now can i ask there's an interesting case coming out of the uk this morning and it's a case where uk police are investigating the virtual rape of a 16 year old girl in metaverse um on on vr on virtual reality where she claims that her um her character was raped in a community room by other users i mean that brings a whole other problem as well now into discussion i mean how are crimes on metaverse are they actual crimes and can people be um can can people be I suppose, arrested for them or, or face sanction for them. Would you be concerned about stories like that? Uh, absolutely. And oddly enough, this is, this is something that would come under the purview of the Digital Services Act. So there would be a legal recourse there. Um, no, not just finding the people responsible and prosecuting yeah. them at, at sort of the, the, the legal level, but also uh, imposing sanction on Facebook for permitting that kind of environment. Uh, and for not moderating it and, and protecting its user uh, accordingly. So, yes, there are solutions out there and they could potentially be very, very expensive for Facebook, which is pretty much the only thing uh, they manage to pay attention to is, the, is their bottom line. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, on one level, yes, there should, there will be some kind of legal recourse at the corporate level, at the individual level, uh, I'm sure there's work to be done there on looking at does it qualify as online harassment? Uh, should we be looking at you know much more um, punitive measures mm. uh, to be applied? Which uh, the short answer is yes. So yeah. uh, it's a very sad, it's a very unfortunate case. Uh, in Europe, we will have more of the tools necessary to sort of combat this sort of thing, um, but it will require sort of a dual, rep- dual approach of law enforcement at sort of ground level, but also at corporate level as well. Okay, now I'll have to leave it there for this morning. I'm afraid I am out of time, but thank you so much for joining us this morning.
problem. Thanks, Nan. That's Nan Kitson there with our text slot. That's it for this morning. Thanks for your calls and texts. I'm back with you again tomorrow on Tip Today from 9am. Until tomorrow, Stephen is up next with the Time Tunnel and the Lunchtime Show. Oh, and then take you through the afternoon. Until tomorrow, have a great day. Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.